We believe in democracy, not oligarchy. <laughs> Today, we say to the private health insurance companies, whether you like it or not, the United States will join every other major country on earth and guarantee health care to all people as a right. is a human right, not a privilege. And together, we will pass a Medicare for all single-payer program. You're listening to the David Feldman Radio Program, you sad, pathetic hump. Joining us is Kev, uh, Kevin, I was going to say Kevin McCarthy, Kevin Bartini, <laughs> and we're watching the Iowa caucus. It's uh, We're about to put the show to rest, pencils down, time to launch it, and they are saying there are technical problems with counting the votes the same way the Des Moines Register couldn't seem to release their poll. Odd. Uh, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of strange to watch, isn't it? It's uh, it's coming up on midnight here and on the East Coast, and uh, it's been you know if you've been watching, it's been just six hours of riveting programming on cable news, uh, where we have seen all kinds of chubby white people in all kinds of gymnasiums. <laughs> it's the first just time they've ever around. been in a gymnasium. Yeah, yeah, it's the first time they've ever been in a gymnasium. <laughs> you should sweep that out. The confusion is all these ch chubby white people have never been in a gymnasium before. <laughs> they are, uh, yeah, they're just kind of milling around there. We've gotten a good look at everybody. Right, I'm going to do this in real time. Hang on for one second. Okay. Let's tweet this out and see what happens in real time. Uh, okay. The confusion in Iowa is due to massive numbers of chubby white people being in a gymnasium for the first time. The confusion in Iowa is due to massive numbers of chubby white people finding being in a gymnasium for the first time. Let's see if I get any response to that we'll... any response while we're on okay yeah. okay so i'm sorry what were you saying i don't remember no it's just that's basically what this was tonight i uh whenever you tune in you know they would you'd see the different gymnasiums so each campaign has you know their different setup in the gymnasium and my favorite was uh pete Buttigieg, 
um, because his looked, first of all, for the first openly gay candidate, it was so unfabulous. It was, <laughs> there was, there was, there was, it was like literally a stage in some bunting. Like it was, there was no, there was nothing about it that, that, uh, that looked like a person who was running for president. It looked like the, the high school was waiting on results for the class president and right. homecoming thing, you know. Um, but everybody's apparently they're very annoyed because they all wanted to fly out and end up in uh, New Hampshire for the first thing in the morning. And now we're just stuck and stuck on television and stuck on, uh, on every other way, just, just pissing away time. Well, this happens. is not the first time it's ended up like this. I, I've mentioned this earlier. Yeah. Rick Santorum won mm-hmm. the 2012 Iowa caucus, but uh-huh. it took a couple of days, if not a couple of weeks. We all thought that Romney had won it, and then they did yeah. a recount. I I don't under I you know. Well, that was bittersweet for Santorum because he hated winning anything with the word cock in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not a good guy. No, not a good no, guy. No. Well, uh, what do you think is going to happen? Uh, speaking of not a, not a good guy, uh, should we send our, our heartfelt thoughts and prayers out to uh, Mr. Rush Limbaugh, who's going through his own troubles right now, David? Uh, yeah. Sure you've heard. Well, I just want to say up front before you mention this, I was raised yes. different. I was raised differently from you. Uh huh. My uh, mother told me never mock people who deserve to be dead. <laughs> Well, I have I have chosen to take the high road on this, yes. and I am using uh, Rush Limbaugh's uh, advanced lung cancer Ugh. as an exercise in in personal growth and an exercise in empathy. And I'm going to work on empathy. So that being said, um, I hope he suffers a long, long time because I have a lot of empathy work to do. <laughs> okay. Oh. Well. <laughs> all right. Let's see. Anyway, how about so well, hang on? Let's discuss, on. Let, let's discuss this for a second. Yes. Rush Limbaugh. Yeah. Bad guy. Bad guy. Really He's bad a, guy. Really bad guy. Yeah. There's bad guys, and then there's Rush Limbaugh. Right. And does he have blood on his hands? Um. Yeah, and he's got blood always on a bib right under his chin, <laughs> dripping from his jowls. Because I just picture him eating meat in the nude and raw. Is right. how he does it. Right. Uh, yes, of course. Any well, anyone who uh, anyone who who took to a microphone day in and day out and championed for us to go into the Iraq War, who has spent decades uh, belittling people trying to save our planet, and global warming. And, Everything else, uh, yeah, I would say they got some blood on the game. Right. I but for him, it's fair. a game. But it's always been a yeah. game. He never really right. thinks of himself as serious. He's a right. performer. So he claims right. when he gets right. into trouble, he says he's a performer. Yes, of course. Well, that's always the that's always the cop-out, right? Yeah. No, I was just joking. It's just a joke. He uh, preaches but- personal responsibility, and yet, mm-hmm. and yet... Big and yet, Oxycontin addiction mm-hmm. was arrested for yes. buying Oxycontin, I think, in 2003 right. or 2004. Talks he was about getting, fam- wasn't he getting fake uh, prescriptions like in his maid's name, his housekeeper's yes. name, like that? Wasn't yes. that the thing? Yes. 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 Has a long history of saying racist things, homophobic things on his show, stirring up mm-hmm. hate. 
Mm-hmm. He um, is against health and free health care for the American people. Right. Is willing to spread lies. Mm-hmm. Uh, does he He'll deser- be missed. Huh? <laughs> He'll be missed. Uh, he, he uses fake callers. Did you know that? Oh, does he? I'm not surprised. Yeah, the callers are fake. There's a, you get fifty dollars. Comedians in New York get paid to call in to talk radio shows and read a script. And oh, I've done that. I've done that for almost twenty years. Really? Never. Yeah, never on right wing and political stuff. But uh, yeah, no, I do um, all over the country prank phone calls, things like that, uh, or you call in and it's I play a guy who's having troubles with his girlfriend or. A second date update. Yeah, no, that's very common. It's actually been a great, great way to for comedians, especially to um, make a little extra scratch. It's one of the this side is, businesses. But, yeah, I mean, but I don't, I've never done it, but I've never taken a penny to do it and pretend I agreed with Limbaugh or pretend I did, you know, anything like that. Okay, so let, let's be clear here because this is really yeah. scandalous, and I don't mean to take money away from my fellow comedians, but mm-hmm. there was a time when. Mm-hmm. You had a responsibility to tell viewers and listeners whether or not something was fake. Right. Those and times have passed. Those times have long passed. So you listen to comedy shows and the callers mm-hmm. are fake. But nobody knows that. Yeah. And now we're discovering that the people calling into Rush Limbaugh's show and several others are getting paid. They're working off a script. Not Mm -hmm. only that, think about how scandalous that is, how the Federal Trade Commission and the FCC should be cracking down on this. Not only that, but the possibility of people like Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity, reading talking points as product placement. In other words, you... If you're an AM talk radio host, can mm-hmm. be talking about a subject that's in the news and then transition seamlessly into a commercial for Verizon 5G. Right. And the listener goes, oh, that's right. Now it's a commercial for Verizon 5G. And now he's back to trashing Obamacare and justifying mm-hmm. tax cuts for the richest 1%. And you accept mm-hmm. that. You go, yeah, that's that's what radio does you you sneak these plugs in what if he's getting paid by the Koch brothers or lobbyists to sneak opinion and sell it like a product well well, of course they are there's no what if about that isn't that the whole idea they they get paid to uh, you know your opinion is to be against the global warming you know, oh, well, I, I personally believe in it. Oh, sorry, here's, you know, here's your check, and this is your script. I mean, that is exactly what these guys do. That's okay. why they all that's why they all say the exact same thing, and you have the talking points and everything else. Of course they're on the take. You would, think that you would think there would be congressional hearings on this. You would think. Because would radio think. is very influential, and there's a reason you won't hear Kevin Bartini or David Feldman on AM mm-hmm. Talk Radio. There's a reason talk radio is right wing. They claim there's no audience for left wing talk radio. But the truth is 
the the right wing bought all the radio stations. Right. So back. Well, that was, and that also starts back with uh, when uh, Reagan deregulated, right? Mm-hmm. Deregulated the radio industry, and, and before that, you actually had a choice in in the radio and what happened and what was played. It's the same thing with the with music and everything else. You know, yeah. It's, uh, I, it's interesting. I, I, I went in and I, I was, I remember being a guest in a radio, in a radio station somewhere. I don't remember where I was, but, um, you know, it was one that was open, owned as part of a mega conglomerate. And, uh, the, the, the DJs didn't even have a choice of what song to play. The music was piped in to their feed. And that was the same feed that every station in the country they were all getting the, you know, we're all getting the exact same music at the exact same time, and the guys could pop in and pop out of it. But they were, they were given it's, it's that homogenized. Right. I couldn't believe that. You know, it's crazy. It's terrible. So the New York Times is saying it's a reporting issue. Uh, there's no hack. There's been no Russian mm-hmm. intrusion. Uh, mm-hmm. And well, I think that's a good, important thing, right, to to realize that it's not, you know. Right. I think they're being overly conscious. And this is also, you know, the Iowa caucus. So, you know, somehow they had to figure out how to computerize everybody's votes, because in Iowa, everybody just gets a single kernel of corn right. and throws it into a tin. So then they got to count the, those corns and then input it. So it's going to take some time. Right. And Elizabeth Warren just stated, it's too close to call, but I'm just going to tell you what I do know. As the baby daughter of a janitor, I'm so glad to be on this stage tonight. You know, that's all we seem to know about Elizabeth Warren's father, that he had a mom. He was a janitor? Yeah. Yeah. He pushed a mom. That's all she can say about her dad? All Amy Klobuchar can say about her dad is that he was married three times, died broke, was an alcoholic. Yeah. Well, all Donald Trump can say about his dad is that he died and left him a fortune to yeah. uh, ruin the world with. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, I, I don't know much about their dad. I don't. I don't think that uh, that that's the kind of stuff I always lose focus or pay, I lose an interest in when they go into their you know their heartwarming backstory and all that. I'm like, yeah, this doesn't affect me. Anymore. What are your thoughts finally on Rush Limbaugh before we wrap this up? Do you really well, <clears throat> do you really think it's off limits when somebody has lung cancer. He is a human being. He has, mm-hmm. he's a good Christian. He has children. What about his no. kids? He has children? No. Really? No, of course not. <laughs> Just like say, Ann Coulter. Just like Ann Coulter has no kids. No, no, I know. Yeah, uh, listen, I, uh, I, 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 I officially uh, think, you, you know, you reap what you you sow, and he's he's had taken joy in other people's misery and suffering. So you know, yeah, you get you know, comes back your way. Well, and he is a big cigar aficionado, isn't he? Yes, yes, and of course, um, and has been for a long time an advocate for it. Part yeah. of the reasons I never got into smoking cigars. Yeah, you know, it's just how douchey they are. And do you think he'll have a, a come to Jesus moment the way? Uh, What's his name? That guy, that Republican hatchet man did. I forgot. You his mean name. Uh, you're talking about the, the was it one of Nixon's guys? Was a Halderman or one of those? No, guys? no, no. There was a guy 
uh, famous, he got uh, Bush elected, the first Bush elected. And uh-huh. then when he had a brain tumor, uh, he had a, oh. Oh, I can't remember his name. It's late. Yeah, that sounds familiar. I don't remember the guy's name. You think he'll have uh, a come-to-Jesus moment? <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I hope for his uh, for his own personal soul and well-being that he that he does that he has a little uh, you know three ghosts at Christmas come visit him or something like that because everybody deserves to go out whoever you are with a little bit of peace. So I I, I hope he he's inner spend some time uh, reflecting. But who knows? Uh, he hasn't done that so far. Yeah. Yeah. How's your memory? Pretty good. Yeah, in general, it, over certain things, it's it's excellent. I have to. How about type, yours? I, I'm type, It's driving me crazy that I can't remember. Republican has come to Jesus moment. I oh. have to text it, and then we'll check our Twitter feed and see okay. how we're doing. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe I. Uh, damn it. I'm pre- my memory is pretty – well, I can't find it. Okay. And all my listeners know who I'm talking Somebody about. Somebody will tweet at us. Yeah. Somebody yeah. will know. All right. Let's see how that tweet did. Uh, hang on. Uh, four retweets and 23 likes. No kidding. Is that good? It's not bad. It's been like five minutes. Yeah. But, That's not bad at all. Yeah, but I mean, if I was Puff Daddy, I mean, I, I, I won't name names, but I was hired to tweet for somebody. And, oh, really? Yeah. And the most innocuous, inane mm-hmm. tweet would get like a billion retweets. And then if it was and then if I gave one that was rejected, I would tweet it. Yeah. And nothing. Sure. So, yeah. So it's just like it, Twitter is high school. Mm-hmm. People just want to get on the celebrity bandwagon. Although there are some brilliant people tweeting, which makes it which makes it even worse. That was the really painful thing about high school: is I deserved not to get laid. I deserved not to get picked <laughs> for softball. I deserved, yeah. you know, to be treated the way I was treated. That's the really painful thing about high school. They were right, and that's why we're constantly reliving high school. I feel the same way. Sometimes I feel like I want to get in contact with my high school bully and, and, and apologize to him. Like, ah, you, you didn't I, bully I me enough. Differently, though. Yeah, you, you know, you had a point there. <laughs> I should have listened. <laughs> I should have listened. I needed, I needed tough love. That's a funny yeah. bit. You should do that on stage. Uh, that's a good idea. You yeah. are so funny. You are so funny. Yeah, Kevin Bartini, thanks for putting up with me today because it's been a crazy between the impeachment and Iowa and uh, just my general despair. You you were generous uh, with the scheduling. Kevin Bartini has two comedy albums out. One is entitled The Unintentionally White Album. The other, Showing the Horses Who's Boss. Follow him over on Twitter. Kevin Bartini, is that it? Or Kevin Bartini Comedy? No, uh, just at Kevin Bartini. Fantastic. Uh, when, when we talk again, I would assume we'll know the results from Iowa. Well, we, we're probably only going to have a chance to talk again in 
two to seven days, so I don't want to put pressure on them. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you, buddy. Can you stand the line for one second? Yes, Thank of course. You. Thank you. Okay, all flight controllers, going to go for landing. Retro. Go. Fido. Go. Guidance. Go. Control. Go. Telcom. Go. GNC. Go. Ecom. Surgeon. Go. Capcom, we're go for landing. Eagle Houston, you're go for landing. Over. I understand. Go for landing. 3,000 feet. You're listening to the David Feldman Radio Program, you sad, pathetic hump. Let us now go to Los Angeles, California, where Howie Klein is standing by. He's the founder and treasurer of the Blue America PAC. They raise money for progressive and some socialist candidates around America. Read him every day over at Down With Tyranny. Thank you for staying up past your bedtime for our special Iowa caucus coverage, Howie Klein. Well, my pleasure. Thank you. I'm happy to be I'm happy to be up. It's a new experience for me to be around this time of the night. Yes. We're, and by the way, we full disclosure, we're talking about three in the afternoon. No, I'm kidding. It's uh, it's about, I'd say, 11 p.m., 10 p.m. New York time. And we're going to talk about Iowa caucuses. But first, I have to thank you because you are batting 100 uh, percent. Kelly Stone who is running for railroad commissioner in Texas, is on today's show. Absolutely. Yeah, she's awesome. So good. Fantastic. And she's very funny. Did she Did she do any of her humor stuff with you? Yes. I, I was annoying. I think I was trying to impress her, and I think I was a I, I think I'm going to come across as annoying. But she's fantastic, and I want her to come back all the time. She's fantastic. Good. I'm so glad. I hope she wins. Yes. Congressman Alan Grayson was is on the show, thanks to you. And one of the things I said to, this is my thank you for for the guests that you get for the show. I said, do you know anything? I was talking to Kelly Stone. And I said, do you know Howie Klein? She says, well, I'm learning more and more about him. And I said, well, you know, he's got this background and, you know, he brought the the clash to America and the, he knew the Sex Pistols, and he, you know, has introduced the world to some of the greatest musicians ever. And then a light went up, uh, over my head, and I said, "That's that's kind of why every guest he's ever recommended for this show has knocked it out of the park." Like, I, I don't know why I'm surprised every time you recommend somebody who's fantastic, but it should come as no surprise. Thank you. Yeah. I, I try to give you people who I think you know have something to say and an interesting way of saying it. Uh, and you know, I mean, someone like Alan Grayson. I mean, you know, you have to be like moron not to recognize his talent. Yeah. And you know, Kelly. You know, we're, we're just getting to know each other really. We although we know each other enough so that Blue America has endorsed her. First time we've ever endorsed a candidate running for railroad commissioner. <laughs> but she's, she's so impressive that how could how could we not? <laughs> And it's what's really interesting is that railroad commissioner is incredibly important in Texas. It's it's the yeah. it's a, a shell game that they play. Railroads whatsoever. I'm sorry. And it has nothing to do with railroads whatsoever. And they want it that way. They want to keep 
the voter confused. So they don't yes, understand. They don't want voters to know what a railroad commissioner does, and they want the voters to think, yeah, that's something with the choo-choo train. Mm-hmm. Where in reality, uh, if you want to make any headway in, in, uh, in, with climate change in Texas, that's where you go. It's the railroad commissioner. This is amazing. Right. So when you feel stupid, this is what I tell young people. If you feel stupid, it's not your fault. There's a reason you don't understand something. They're hiding stuff from you. Well, uh, before we get to the Iowa caucuses and how un-American it is to smear Bernie Sanders, I I was in Washington, D.C. for a week with Triumph, the insult comic dog, and we covered the impeachment. And I... First off, I didn't write this joke. Somebody wrote a joke about Trump's addiction to Adderall. And so I said to you before the show started that somebody's reading down with tyranny because you broke the Adderall story. They may not have necessarily been reading down with tyranny because it's all it's over. It's all over everywhere. But when he was doing the Republican debates in 2016, I asked a friend of mine, uh, about it, and, and the reason I asked this particular friend is because his company bought a, a, pra- a practice where Trump was going to um, uh, to the doctor. So, so it was, he, it was a medical practice, and he told me that the the uh, I don't know if they were nurses or the young doctors or somebody in the office taught Trump how to uh, chop up Adderall with a razor blade and snort it. Hmm. And it's, it's been for years that that's been happening. And, and this guy, how does he know it? He knew it from talking to the guys who actually uh, taught Trump how to do it. And he also had his hands on Trump's medical record, which I'm not supposed to talk about in public. And so we won't talk about it. Well, you know, I don't have that. My listeners, I mean, how many listeners do I really have? It's not really talking about it in public. Right, exactly. So anyway, uh, when people say that he's snorting coke, it's not true. He's he's not. He's snorting Adderall. Okay. And that's why he is the way he is. And uh, if you want to know the symptoms of Adderall uh, addiction, which Trump has, you can just go to the Internet and type in Adderall addiction. Uh, there are several actual medical terms for it, and uh, and it'll tell you and it'll describe it. And you say, oh, that's, yeah, that's the president of the United States they're describing. So he's going to get acquitted tomorrow after the State of the Union. Are you scared? How dangerous is he? Uh, well, well, you know, I don't live that far from Adam Schiff. He's my congressman, and I, and I actually was thinking today. Gee, I hope Trump doesn't like sort of nuke my whole area. <laughs> and even with Adam, yeah. Suppose, you know who I really wouldn't want to be? I really wouldn't want to be John Bolton. That's you know Trump has blood in his eyes when he talks about Bolton, and there are a number of people that he he wants revenge on now. Uh, you know um, Jerry Nadler is another one, but uh, you know Mitt Romney. He he you know I don't know what he's going to do to him, but he's going to do something. He's going to try to do something against Mitt Romney. I don't know what he can do, but if he can, he will. Uh, you know, and there's been some reporting about that of people who have talked to, um, you know, reporters who have talked to people in the White House who are confirming this, that, you know, Trump is out for revenge now. Right. What you really wanted to know is what, what does he feel in, uh, entitled to do and empowered to do now that he knows he won't be held accountable? And, uh, you know, the sky's the limit with this guy. You know, he just got away with something. Uh, you know, even people who said, yes, he's guilty, 
but I'm vo- I'm not voting for uh, I'm not voting to to uh, to find him guilty. Even people who you know, like Lamar Alexander, who has no real reason, he has a little reason, but no big reason not to do it. He could do it. He's retiring from the Senate. He, he'll never be running for office again. Uh, and he's very wealthy. And you know why not? But he's not going to. I why mean, not? He, he's Exactly. Why not? He he's because he's a Republican, and it's like a tribal thing now, and they and that's it. And they're you know they're not going to do it. They you know Mitch McConnell as Trump's henchman talked them all out of it. And you know the only two people who voted not even against Trump, they voted just to call witnesses. Only that, just to call witnesses. And there were only two that had the the the, the guts to do that. Horrifying. I'm sure Trump, uh, you know, I didn't read this, but I'm sure Trump will also go after uh, Susan Collins, who's going to be vulnerable now. She's up for re-election. She's very unpopular in her state. It's very likely she's going to lose. And if Trump turns her off just a few Republican uh, voters there, uh, she'll, she'll, you know, she'll just collapse. She may not even run again. She hasn't even officially decided whether she is going to run again. So her choice wasn't political. It was conscious. She voted her conscience. Uh, no, I, I, I wouldn't say that. I don't know. You know, you, you can't look in, into the minds of these people, and I think they don't even know themselves for sure. So I don't know what. I don't know why she made that choice. You have to assume it's, it's everything. You know, where she's getting the pressure from. What are people telling her? You know, back home in Maine, I mean, every newspaper was saying she has to call for, uh, for witnesses. Every every single one. There was no one saying no. So she is feeling some pressure from her home state. Uh, you know, Maine is a, is a, is the class is, is the most classic state when it comes to independence. Maine, literally, it's a third Democrat, a third Republican, and a third Independent. That that's amazing. You know, it's a little more than a third Democrat, a little less than a third Republican. Angus King. Angus King. Third. He right. is a he is an well he he is an independent. Absolutely, they elect independents all the time. In, in other races, independents are spoilers all the time. You're listening to The David Feldman Show, you happy, self-actualized hump. I know. You you cut out. I had to call you back. I know. I, I, I started talking again from where I left off. I, okay. You said that, that there's spoilers in Maine. Okay, great. Sorry. And then I, I went to Alaska, and I said that it's, it's a very similar situation, a huge independent uh, population. They lean a little bit more to the right than the Maine independents do. But um, Lisa Murkowski, remember the Republican Party, she's not up for re-election this time, but the last time she ran, the Republican Party didn't didn't support her. They, were, they supported a right-winger, even though she was the incumbent, and she won as a write-in candidate. Hmm. And, you know, most of her voters are independents, uh, something like 25% of her voters are Democrats, and then she's got Republicans also. And, you know, it, it was a real problem for her. Now, if she would have voted for, um, for witnesses, she would have put her, uh, her, her, the other Alaska senator, Dan Sullivan, into real jeopardy because he's, he's up for reelection and he's not all that popular and he's got a strong Democrat opposing him. And, uh, you know, and, and the Democrat who's opposing him, by the way, is actually an independent who's running as a Democrat. Um, and, he may beat him anyway, but if Dan Sullivan would have, you know, been the one who voted f- against witnesses and Murkowski voted for witnesses, 
that would have really been very, very bad for him. Anyway, every state has its own little story, uh, but but states where they're, the independents are, are in, in big numbers, those are the states where Republicans have to be very careful. It doesn't matter in Mississippi. It doesn't matter in Alabama or Louisiana, uh, in Idaho. It just doesn't matter in those states. There's enough Republicans to do whatever they want. They don't care if all the Democrats and all the independents all vote against them, they still win. But but in in you know more normal situations, you know not Mississippi, but uh, you know uh, Michigan or um, Wisconsin, you know if you lose the independence, you lose. Right, Cory Gardner. Anyway, Cory Gardner, Colorado. Yeah, I would yes. Uh, independence determine the elections in Colorado. Cory Gardner. Uh, he is the most dead man walking in the whole Senate. He is, he is the guy who is just almost can't win. Was there anything he could have done? I mean, had he voted for witnesses, but then to acquit, would that have been smart? Or No, because he would have pissed off everybody. I mean, it would, it, I think it would have been smart for anybody to vote for witnesses because the American people want witnesses, including the Republicans. A majority of Republicans wanted witnesses. So that wouldn't have hurt anybody other than Trump coming after them. Uh, but, you know... If he would have voted for witnesses, it probably would have helped him a little bit. But then voting voting against impeaching, uh, uh, removing Trump is is you know that negates that whole thing. So they just they just McConnell just convinced them all to just you know let's just all stick together, get this over with as quickly as we can, and hope that uh, no one notices. <laughs> right, right. Again, we talked about this last week. I. Got a bug up my ass about Hunter Biden testifying in exchange for Rudy, Lev, Mulvaney and Bolton. And don't you think that was cowardice on Joe Biden's part not to say my son is innocent? Let him testify. If that means Trump gets exposed for the crook he is, so be it. My son is clean. We've got nothing to hide. But he's not clean. Uh, And... um and this is exactly what Trump wants. Trump wants an election uh, to be about Hunter Biden. That's that's that would be a dream for him, because no matter you know, then it gets down to like two people whining about whose children are more disgusting. I mean, this is you know the last thing Americans should want. I don't know. Did you see uh, uh, on Sunday Biden being interviewed on the Today Show with uh, Savannah, uh, Savannah Guthrie? You no. watch that by any no. chance? He he had a he 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 had a fit. He went insane on TV on live TV. He just like couldn't handle it because uh, she asked him about uh, Hunter Biden and he flipped out. Right. Uh, he can't handle it. He he. This guy is so not fit to be the candidate of the Democratic Party. It's shocking. I mean, I was so proud <clears throat> as I was watching some of the uh, the caucuses in Iowa tonight, seeing you know one after the other. Uh, saying, well, you know, Biden didn't make the 15 percent mark, and you know, so his his um, delegate, you know, and then he, his delegates had to go and either leave or vote for somebody else. And, and I mean, it was, you know, I remember there was one early in the night they they showed where there were like, you know, 300 people for uh, Mayo Pete and 300 people for Warren and 300 people for uh, Amy Klobuchar and 400 people for Bernie. And then they, they panned over to where uh, some of the other candidates were, and there was uh, uh, Tulsi Gabbard with one 
one person and Biden was seven. <laughs> Whoa. Right. <laughs> Shocking. Horrifying. Well, well, we're talking at about 1030 on Monday night. Buddha judge is. Uh, oh, no, he's fallen behind. Oh, what happened? Yeah, well, Bernie's winning. Depends what number you're looking at. I, I mean, you know, don't look at MSNBC. They, they, that's not a good place to look because they, 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 all they want to do is paint everything as anti-Bernie. So they'll, you know, they find all the places where Bernie isn't going to do well, and they make and they put those on screen to make it look like Bernie's doing badly. But the last results I have are, are um, raw numbers from uh, from across the state. Uh, there aren't a lot of them. But it's the closest thing that we have to reality, and it shows that uh, Bernie is ahead with 25%, Elizabeth Warren in the second place with 21%, followed by Pete with 19%, and then Biden with um, with 14%, and Klobuchar with 13 So, you know, that could change radically. It's a tiny sample, but it's the most realistic thing that we have right now. Okay, I'm looking at the New York Times, and it's showing Judge. In the final vote with 27% and then Bernie with 26%. But in the first vote, Sanders has 25% and Warren has 22%. But I guess the New York Times is behind the curve, right? They're, they're, who knows? I, I don't know who's who's got it, who's got the most up to date. The New York Times <clears throat> is usually pretty good with that. All right. What's your theory about the Des Moines Register poll? Well, I don't think it's a theory. I mean, what happened was is is basically one person polling on the phone left out uh, Buttigieg's name because the screen was too went, big, right? What? Because the screen the the ballot was too big for the screen. Whatever the reason was, Buttigieg was left out, and he went crying to the, the paper and said, "This is invalid." And even though it was just one person. They they decided to sit on the poll. I mean, you know, it, it's easy to think about conspiracy theories and stuff like that, but I don't think there was one. Okay. So Rashida Tlaib, we we like her, right? I love her. Yes, she was uh, she was a great candidate when she ran. Before that, she was a great member of the state legislature in Michigan, and since she's gotten into Congress, she's been one of the best members. In fact, right now there are only I think it's five people left or four people left. We have perfect voting records in the House, and she's one of them. When well, I say perfect, I mean 100%, not one bad vote, and uh, and that's pretty amazing when you think about it. When but the Democrats... Right now, it's uh, it's only Andy Le- Le- Levin from Michigan. He's also from Michigan. Oh, you know what? Uh, it's As of today, there's only two people left. Andy and uh, Ayanna Presley are the only two with 100% vote scores. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's other people that, you know, they're, they're 99 point something or 98 point something. But at uh, it, it one time, there were 30 people with 100% vote scores. Right, right. Well, she led uh, a Bernie crowd to boo Hillary over the weekend, and Twitter lit up. Yeah. They are finding any excuse to taint Bernie except on the issues or what he stands for or his consistency. It really is desperate, isn't it? They've dug up something he said from 1975 
about poor white people unable to find jobs. They're like black slaves before the Civil War. And so he's a racist. That's the new charge. So, yes, there, there, there's a, an air of desperation uh, among the, uh, you know, basically the Republican uh, wing of the Democratic Party, the uh, the Blue Dogs, the New Dems, the, uh, the third wave people, the corporatists, the neolibs, the neocons, all of them. They're desperate. I mean, they realize that Bernie has a chance to win and they didn't expect that. And now they don't know what they're going to do. They are tearing their hair out. Why? Their taxes are going to go up. We're talking about rich people. Right. You know, you, you know, these people on MSNBC who come on, these guests who come on and, and put down Bernie, they're all very, very wealthy. And that whatever they say, uh, uh, you know, my theory is they're just looking out for their own, um, their own nest there. Hillary has really turned out to be a, a dark, dark force in politics. And, and yeah. a lot of women... I didn't vote for her. Yeah, yeah. And and a lot of women idealize her and think she's a role model. And I understand that. And I voted for her. I mean, I voted for her in the general. but I didn't. Okay, but the California, it didn't, that didn't matter. I wouldn't have voted for her if I was in Florida or Ohio. I wouldn't have voted for her for anything in the world. I know her. That's why I didn't vote for her. I have sat with her in a room, just me and her. I know this woman. No way would I ever vote for her. Out of the question. What about reports that John Kerry is thinking of jumping into the race? Because yeah, I made a mistake. I did vote for him. I wouldn't do it again. You did. He's, vote. he's not, he's not going to jump. He can't jump. He's too, too old. And- <laughs> he uh, and he sits on the board of directors of uh, Bank of America. America. The he'd balls to, on know, this guy. He'd have to give up his seat on the board. He's whining about that. Can you believe that? How are the results? What are, they, what are we saying right now? Uh, I'm a little nervous. I see my my the light that keeps me on the phone blinking on and off. Maybe probably that's why we lost connection, and it could happen again. But uh, what what are we saying? Um, well, I'm, I'm, what I'm looking at is Bernie ahead. Still, but okay. I'm not seeing. Uh, I'm not. I'm still not seeing the newest numbers. Okay, and the latest entrance polls show that the number one concern of all Iowa caucus goers is health care. So, if your number one concern is health care, how could you vote for any climate? I'm sorry. And number two is climate change. So, why would you vote for anybody other than Bernie? You know. Uh, today, uh, a state legislator rated all the candidates on climate, and the, the very bottom person was Amy Klobuchar. You know, he, he rated uh, you know Biden very badly, Buttigieg very badly, uh, Steyer, no, not Steyer, uh, Bloomberg very badly. But at the bottom of the pile, the very worst was Amy Klobuchar. And I heard some some woman at one of the uh, the candidate. Uh, one of the caucuses today talking to a reporter and the reporter said, well, why are you caucusing for Amy? And she said, because she's, she really uh, cares about climate change. Amazing. Amazing. She's the worst on climate change. She is the worst on climate change. And Bernie is the best. 
and Bernie's been endorsed by every climate organization, all of them, the local ones in Iowa and the national ones. And yet, you know, here's somebody, you know, obviously a brainwashed moron, but the brainwashed moron has a vote, too. And she's just, you know, she may like Amy for a lot of reasons. Maybe she likes Amy because she's feisty and throws plates across the room and hits people in the head. And maybe the woman likes that. Fine. But to say I like her because of her because she is strong on climate change, that's just wrong. How's Amy unlocking up innocent black men? Yes, she's very bad on that, too. Or very good if you want that to happen. <laughs> yeah, it's not you funny. You know, she, she's, uh, she's pretty awful. Yeah. Uh, she has a record. Her, she has a platform. And she's no good. But, you know, she's, she seems to be doing better than expected tonight. The reports over the weekend were that Perez, the chairman of the DNC, changed the rules so Bloomberg could get into the next debate. And that yeah. there, there is talk that they're going to change the rules even more to sabotage Bernie. Well, some of that, uh, some of that is just uh, wishful thinking on their part and, and hysteria on our part. The the idea of uh, letting the uh, superdelegates vote in the first round. The woman who who wrote, I think she wrote the rule that it wouldn't happen, and and rounded up enough delegate votes to make sure it wouldn't happen was Nancy Pelosi's daughter, Christine Pelosi, and I spoke to her over the weekend, and she said, it's just a bunch of disgruntled assholes, she didn't use that word, but almost, uh, who were trying to push this through, and it's, there's no chance it's going to happen, zero. And did they change and, the rules? You know, I, I, on that, sorry? Did they change the rules on Bernie in 2016? Uh, they cheated in every way possible, but remember, it was it was, you know, Hillary's, campaign co-chairman who was the head of the NRC, at, uh, like the NRC, head of the DNC at the time, Debbie Wasserman Schultz. You know, I don't know if you want to list the 10 most dishonest uh, politicians in America, Debbie Wasserman Schultz would have to be in the top five. Okay. So the Hillary dead-enders still won't go away. I mean, it's been four years. Let's say Bernie wins, you say, South Carolina, too? Are there going to be Biden dead-enders, Warren dead-enders who are not going to support Bernie and or sabotage him? What do you see happening well, when it when he becomes the, people, the putative nominee? People want to beat Trump. And, I, I you know, the, look, a candidate like Bernie, who is so strong for systemic change and really, really fundamental change, of course there are going to be people who who don't want him. No doubt. They, you know, they, they ruined, uh, or they tried to ruin FDR's election and they failed the same way. Right. I mean, there were, there were definitely a, a Democratic establishment, very conservative Democrats, who looked at him and he the guy's a socialist. And they were against him. And the more people cried about him being a socialist, the more votes he got. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, yes, there'll be that with Bernie too. And but not but it won't be that many. It'll be a lot a lot of loud people who have access to the media, and access to a lot of money. Right. But but not you know and a lot of never Trump Republicans who think they have a say in who the Democrats nominate. They'll be yelling and screaming about it too. They don't want Bernie. I mean, some of these people have said publicly on TV that they hate Trump, but they'll vote for him rather than vote for Bernie. Right. I mean, we should stay away from these never Trumpers. If they want to hate Trump, great. They should be encouraged to hate Trump. That's it. End of story. If they can take one more step 
towards the Democratic Party. They should be beaten with sticks. Right, right. Is Obama going to campaign for Bernie? Will Bill campaign for Bernie? Will John Kerry? I, I, I doubt that Bernie is even once Bill Clinton's campaigning for him, but he, he will certainly want Obama too, and Obama will. Am I the problem? You're not. But people like me, the recent converts to Bernie, you know, again, people who suddenly discover Christianity or quit drinking, they, they, they're really annoying. And I've been told I'm the problem that I, that there are people who want to vote for Bernie, but they can't stand me. Are we, are we a problem? That shouldn't be, uh, you know, that, uh, yes, I mean, those people are morons. You know, you you got to decide who you want to vote for based on who the person is and what they stand for, not based on, you know, you know, some kid who's, you know, annoying. OK, I want to ask you about the Super Bowl ads in a second. What is Bernie's vulnerability? I'm sorry. That's a funny one. OK, but before we get to that and we're almost out of time. I want to ask you about Jane, because I keep looking for the oppo research on Bernie. What's his Achilles? What's his Achilles heel? And it seems to be, even though it's not true, I mean, they say Burisma isn't true, but, you know, you throw enough dirt. Some people believe it. Will they be able to throw dirt on Jane Sanders? Will they be able to? Well, they'll try. I mean, you know, I mean. You know, again, what are you gonna, how are you going to answer that? That Trump married a prostitute that he paid for sex and then, deci- and then decided to marry her? Are you going to use that? Right. But she might have run a college into the ground, right? Is that a no. problem? They'll say they'll, it's not true. They, you know, you look, we, didn't we talk about this? They, every single Democrat who's run, no matter how conservative they were, has always been called the most uh, the most left wing Democrat in the history of the world. Right. And so he will be called the most. He and yes, just the same way Obama was called the most. Just the same way that uh, Kerry was called the most. Just the way Clinton was. Just the way Kerry was. Each one of them was the most uh, 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 left wing in the history of the world. But this time it's true. Yes, it's true, but it won't make any difference what they say about everybody. Okay. <laughs> They'll be sorry they were crying wolf. What do you see in terms of results? And then tell me about the Super Bowl. What do you see? I, I'm not seeing any different results than you are. I'm, I, it, and it, it's almost silly to to talk about results when, the, when they're still coming in because it's just, you know, it's sort of meaningless in a way unless you've got some kind of real indication but you know i i'd rather we just wait until we uh, till the very end and see what we're, where we're at at that point i mean obviously bernie's ahead everywhere right and okay uh but in the super bowl ads i think probably a lot of people saw them but people might not know that there were uh that usa today had a, a special uh ad meter measuring um, which ads uh, got the best reaction. So there were two ways to look at it. Who who got the best reaction uh, on the ad meter and then how many viewers there were uh, at YouTube for the ads. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, and there were 62 ads altogether. So the best, you know, the, the ad meters by far 
uh, you know, it, um, it was, I think it was uh, Jeep's the Groundhog Day. You didn't watch it, so so you won't even know what these are. But uh, Jeep Jeep had the had the most effective ad. It had a 7.01 on a 10 scale, so that that was huge. Hyundai had an ad. Uh, which I saw on TV, which was pretty amazing, uh, which was at a 6.98, so almost a 7. So those, those were the two huge ones. And and the loser, the, the 62nd most successful ad, so, the, the, it's, uh, so this guy spent $11 million and had... He was, and he was number 62, and it was, it was Trump's ad. Really? That was the one, got a 3.33, that was, I mean, Bloomberg didn't do well either, but he did better than Trump. He had a 60 <laughs> right. uh, out, of, out of the 62, but Trump was number 62, the worst of all. At least Bloomberg, though, had 4 million viewers on YouTube. So that's something. Trump said had, uh, I don't know, like 137,000. What do you think his State of the Union is going to be? Is he going to go off script? Uh, I hope so. <laughs> I, I, just, I just hope he, you know, hey, you know, let, let me start it. Uh, one of the things I thought was really funny was, though, he he, he managed to beat what I thought was the worst ad uh, uh, that was on the Super Bowl, which is, uh, it was called the Avocados from Mexico Shopping Network. It was so wretched. <laughs> but <laughs> they, they rated it as a better ad than Trump's ad. Wow. Uh, but it, and it had... A, a, about 10,000 less viewers than Trump says. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Trump managed to beat the Avocados from Mexico Shopping Network, Ed. Fantastic. Howie Klein is the founder and treasurer of the Blue America PAC. They raise money for progressive and some socialist candidates. Read him every day over Down With Tyranny next week, New Hampshire. Thank you, sir. Take care. Thank you. Thank you oh, sir. I'm having uh, dinner with your son next week. Oh, fantastic. Yep. Okay, fantastic. Thank you. That's good news. Again, I I owe you. Thank you. Stand on for one second. Thank you. You're listening to The David Feldman Show, you happy, self-actualized hump. Play your theme song first. Ready? Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Yeah. You sure? Are you sure you're ready? No. It's time for our comedy virus. Let's all welcome Dave Cyrus. <laughs> Let's go to Brooklyn where. Showbiz royalty is standing by. Dave Cyrus joins us. He has a new movie that's coming out this summer starring Pete Davidson. He co-wrote it with Judd Apatow. You know Dave Cyrus as a Writers Guild award-winning writer from SNL and all the Triumph the Insult comic dog specials. Today he, he has the inside scoop on impeachment. Where were you this past week, Dave? 
Uh, I, of course, was uh, at the Senate offices uh, during the impeachment trial. And by the way, I'm also big on YouTube. Um, this is it, so exciting. Uh, How do you do it? You're, you're like everywhere. You're, you're in Hollywood going to these big fancy parties, and then you're in Washington, D.C., hobnobbing with Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell and Robert Smigel and Steve Colbert and Triumph Ansel Comic Dog. Are you worried that you're spreading yourself a bit too thin? No, no, no. If anything, I'm too thick. I am uh, far too saturated right now. Okay. Uh, I'm everywhere. Uh, it's fine. You know, look, it, this, these really are very um, easy jobs. Okay. So it, it's honestly fine. Yeah, we were there. We were right there. We saw it all happen. We saw wow. how pretty much anybody can just walk on in uh, to the Senate offices and just start talking to congressmen. It's, it's pretty great how, like, they built the system to be like anyone could go in and talk to the representative, but at the same time built it in these labyrinthian buildings to make it as hard as possible for them. Right, and security is very tight, I would assume. You have to go through all these metal detectors, so you're just a human being talking to another human being. The, the Congress people and the senators are perfectly safe because... Pretty much. I mean, yeah. well, I mean, they, they go through metal detectors. That's about it, though. That's, that's pretty much the only line of defense. You go through a metal detector, and then you can be like, hey, there's Mitch McConnell. Let me run full steam at him. <laughs> and you can do that. And crack a shell. Yeah, yeah, but you know, turn them upside down. So, help us. so tell me, you were in Washington, D.C. for a week with Triumph Against El Comic Dog, and I guess yeah. it aired last night on Colbert. It was phenomenal. I what? understand it will have aired by the time uh, this is uh, out there. Right. And uh, are you in the background of anything? Oh, I, I'm just talking with Dave Cyrus, the uh, great comedy writer. So tell me what uh, what you saw covering the impeachment trials or trial. Well, I, I saw you, since you were there with me, um, doing stuff. Uh, we had a great time, I thought, uh, especially in the elevator. What happened in the elevator? Oh, um, a bunch of us, uh, the whole kind of crew, nine people at once actually, got stuck in an elevator for a little while in the Senate office and uh, one person kind of freaked out, and his name was David Feldman. David Feldman, the, the podcast host. Yeah. Oh, like, okay. Here's the thing about this. You know, I feel like you and I have a lot in common, mm -hmm. but uh, in that elevator, we really saw how much we are different <laughs> kinds of people. Because you, first of all, like, I, I feel like, you know, in terms of anxiety, just not something I've ever had a problem with. I almost have not enough, you know, like... Mm -hmm. You know, you know, in a way, like maybe it would keep me out of trouble if I right. if I was more. But yeah, I've always just I don't I, I don't get that anxious from things. That's sort of why I loved Uncut Gems, I think. And you, uh, you, you're talking about you David Feldman. You're talking about David yeah, Feldman. The, yeah, the, the, I realized something. You are a lot more afraid to die than me. It's really interesting because you were. I've never seen you so visibly like afraid, and it was just an elevator. An elevator, by the way, that was on the ground level. Like, there was really nothing that could happen. And we actually, I, I, I apologize for bringing this up, but, like, you kind of turned into a Republican when you were afraid, which does back up my whole belief system wow. about it being a fear-based ideology, because within three minutes... I started blowing, being, guys. You're right. I turned into a Republican. Yes, and in, in, a, in, a, in a Senate office, and, to, to, and none of us would talk about yeah, it. Yeah, no, go, go no, ahead. But like, 
It's the fact that, like, and I really, I thought you were doing a bit. I thought you were trying to entertain us, which, by the way, of course, is how I felt the first time I met you when you were screaming at a divorce lawyer. I thought, <laughs> this guy really knows how to commit to a joke. He is really <laughs> making sure that the first day of work is fun. <laughs> Within, like, okay, so we were maybe in this elevator for 15 minutes. No, no, it was like a I, half hour. No, it was not. Yeah, yes, it was. it was. I timed it. It was, um, it was, I it might have been 20 minutes at the most. I've been in stuck in elevators for hours and like, you know, it's just, it's a boredom thing. But within five minutes, within five minutes of being stuck in this elevator. So we have, uh, this woman on the other end where you call the button to say that we're stuck and she was very nice and, you know, she's a, probably some dispatch person. She's like, I'm so sorry. We have a technician coming. They're working on it right now. Uh, they'll be there. Uh, the, the, you should be out soon. And immediately you call her back like, what the hell is going on in this? Co like it, the way that you thought you could yell your way to getting out faster. It just, it was, it's so diametrically opposite of your actual belief system. But the way that like you were, that you were like literally within like you, I mean, I know it was because you were scared, but you were really like, <laughs> like yelling at this woman, like, like you were Harvey Weinstein and she was a secretary. <laughs> just, well, maybe that's unfair. I mean, just in the, the abuse, not the, the sexuality part. But just, the, you were terrified. <laughs> yes, were I was. I was. And I, and I was, I thought I did a pretty good job because I said to Smigel afterwards, you couldn't tell, but I was panicking. And Smigel said, really? I, I didn't pick up on that. And I thought he was being serious. I thought I was, I thought I had my game face on. I swear to you. I thought. I'll be honest. You made the whole time so worth it because it was just, it was, it was just getting to getting to watch someone you know ha go through that and trying to hold it together really is it, it's just it's telling just as someone who has to write for acting you learn about the human <laughs> experience by seeing someone uh just bubbling with panic and but like i said i i couldn't believe you were yelling at this woman i wasn't in a different I wasn't part yelling. of the city i wasn't you yelling. Yell no you weren't like abusive to her you i did call like, her doll honey and sugar cakes. That was wrong. I do. No, what you what, what you really did? You you call her first. She said, "Do you want me to stay on the line uh, with you guys?" And I was like, "No, that's okay." And you're like, "No, stay." That's yes. <laughs> I need to hear I your did, voice. I did say you that. did demand that she stay on the line. <laughs> yes, I did. And just have conversation with us. Yes. And it's nine people. By the way, here's the one thing I didn't understand about this. Every time we talked to someone, either the technician or the woman on the uh, on the dispatch, they kept asking how many people it was. And we kept saying it was nine people. And I'm just like, how could that answer possibly change anything? Well, it's a weight issue and how long we were kept waiting. So if it wasn't heavier, what? It's less a priority? Well, if you've got nine people stuck in an elevator, the odds are one of them is going to be a crazy, paranoid, New York, effete, intellectual snob who's going to freak out. The odds are in Washington, D.C., one out of nine people stuck in an elevator is going to be a pain in the ass who freaks out. It really showed, but it really showed me that, uh, you know, we really only believe things as far as we're comfortable because the second you were afraid, you were, you were Roger Ailes to that woman. You were just. No, I wasn't. I was you scared. Were so mean. I was scared. I was terrified. No you, were, no, you weren't mean to her, but you were saying it like, how long is this supposed to take? We have been here. For, it, 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 uh, look how long it's take, to, it, it took to get rid of 
at an impeachment trial. It's the United States Capitol. It was just the idea. If they can't remove believe. Trump, how long is it going to take to get me out of a stuck elevator? Come on, I I, I had legitimate reason to be in a state of panic. It, it, you, well, I mean, that's what you were. It really was interesting because, I mean, I look. I understand some people just you know they have a certain amount of fear of certain situations, and I mean, I was just bored, and you you helped in that way. Okay, let me ask um, you a question. Let me, in all seriousness, do you have any claustrophobia? No. Okay. So I have a yeah, little claustrophobia. And my I kinda mind. like being swaddled. You don't like being swaddled? No, I, I kinda like it. So yeah. Okay. I'm not into I'm not not sexual, I'm not into like sitting on, but as a kid I, I actually love the feeling of like someone like standing on you for a second, you know, for like your back. Well, welcome to show business. Mm-hmm. You sh that's why you're so happy working in shows. No, business. look, it's, it, there's nothing wrong with getting afraid of, you know, you were claustrophobic. We were, you know, stuck in an elevator with nine people. It sucked. Well, hang it on was, for one second. You're a big time Hollywood screenwriter, right? As are you. Sure. You have a vivid imagination. When you're stuck in an elevator, doesn't your mind go to places it shouldn't go like... I'm going to be here for five days. The country's under attack. We're the least of their worries. We're going to end up eating each other. You, your mind didn't go there. I mean, maybe after a few hours it might have. But once again, this was 15 minutes. But you so. are born to the same tribe as I am. Don't you catastrophize? Don't you immediately go to uh, life was too good. I was having fun. Now I'm going to pay the price and be stuck this is going to turn into my coffin. That never occurred to you. It just, it just didn't seem like a dangerous situation. But I mean, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't get afraid of like physical danger that much, I guess. You know, like I've skydived and didn't really, you know, do much to me. Okay. me you know what I mean? Put like, yourself in my shoes for a second. Okay. Okay. You're right. David Feldman, right? Uh huh. Imagine being stuck in an elevator for nine hours with Dave Cyrus testing jokes on him. Well, Do you think that I mean, would I, maybe create a panic attack? If you had I mean, to listen I, to Dave Cyrus running every joke that he's written for this project past you in an elevator to pass the time, you would I actually pray for your you, own demise, wouldn't you? I, I imagine if I were you, I'd be just more preoccupied with wondering how much time I had left and appreciating every moment. But you do realize you were testing jokes on me while we were waiting for the elevator repairman. You do realize that. Yeah, because we were stuck in an elevator. Right. We were just, <laughs> I had no idea that this wasn't one of those, like I treated this like we were in, you know, a car together. I was like, all right, I guess we have some time to kill. But I had no, I had no way to bow out. I was stuck listening. Right. And but and you did find a way out, which was being so visibly panicked, which, you know, to your credit, totally worked. See, we became about uh, about every, about me having to right. assure everyone else that you were just kidding and weren't actually uh, about to tear your clothes off. OK, last thought and then we'll move on. You know okay. that I'm a Bernie supporter. Right. And I believe that the government can do things better than a corporation can. Right. You have told me that you would still vote for Lyndon LaRouche if he was alive, but yes. Okay. No, I, I believe in government. I believe that if a job needs to be performed properly, you have the government do it. That the post office is better than FedEx. 
private security guards can't compete with the police, that the VA, which is government-run health care, is better than any private hospital. That's what I believe. That being said, as we were wandering through the bowels of the Capitol, I was using the vending machines to get Aquafina and snacks, and I noticed that they didn't have any they didn't tell you how much stuff costs. You just put your credit card in and they just charged you whatever. Well, very, very few people there are paying for that themselves. The point being that there, there is a little uh, laissez-faire attitude towards money. And when we were stuck in the elevator, it occurred to me that maybe since it was in the Russell building, which is under the jurisdiction of McConnell, the Republican majority leader, that since we were hassling him, it did occur to me that in my paranoia that perhaps Mitch McConnell forced us to get stuck in that elevator to show us how you can't trust government workers and that they were going to take their sweet time. Yeah. That when you're stuck, I'm and being you serious. know that's crazy, right? Yeah, of course, you know it's crazy. That. Of course, and you, know, and you know why it's crazy, right? Yeah, it's not that they wouldn't do that because they're not that evil. No one just cares that much, right? To but, take the time to do stuff like that, right? It's it's like you know, Mark Maron wrote a book years ago about when he was a conspiracy theorist, which I understand because I had my you know dalliances with that as a kid, where he he believed that all these satanic symbols were hidden, like in the in you know the Pentagon, you know, throughout Washington, that there was this big conspiracy, and then he all at once realized these people aren't competent enough to pull any of this off. No one gives a shit. But if you're stuck in an elevator with nine people and you are a bit of a narcissist and you're a bit paranoid and your brain can go to places it shouldn't go, especially when it shouldn't, can you see how I began to think that? Oh, I see why you began to think it. I just know that it's not, you know... Rational, because in the real world, they would just have the police take us out. They would right. just have the police remove. They would just say, guys, you have to leave. Like, no one gives enough of a crap to put that much time into their revenge fantasies. Right. I know you do, but, you're, but fortunately, you're not in government. Okay. So, uh, we are not even close to important enough for them to have cared about. Circumcision guy. Tell me about circumcision. Yeah, we ran into this guy with an anti-Trump sign, God bless him, uh, you know, pro-impeachment sign, but then also a no no to circumcision sign. And now look, we're Jews. I totally get why people are against uh, circumcision. I respect it. But at the same time, if I wanted to represent don't get circumcised, I wouldn't do it while looking profoundly homeless and having other signs about other issues at the same time. Right. You've got to have one sign at a time. Right. Anytime you have two signs of two unrelated things, you have no idea how to get a message across. And th- what, I, what I really liked about this guy was I've seen other people who hate circumcision. This was the first one who seemed to dislike the circumcised as yes. if we did it to ourselves. Right. He says, if you're, you, if you're not circumcised, you got a problem. And it's just like, well, that may be a valid point, sir. But at the same time, uh, you may have your foreskin, but you still smell like urine and look like Rasputin lived 30 more years. Right. So, But he literally started spouting anti-Semitic and anti-Islamic rhetoric. Well, yes, he said Jews and Muslims, because, yeah, we get circumcised. So I guess that was his he, argument. And dirty and filthy. I mean... 
Yeah. Well, I mean, he, I mean, I'll, I'll, well, let's be fair. If anyone has a right to determine who's filthy, it's him. He yes. seemed to know exactly right. the threshold of how much, a, how much a human being could retain. Right. Uh, but there is but, a legitimate argument against circumcision. Oh, there is. Of yeah. course there is. In I mean, fact, you know why Americans get circumcised, right? Why? The reason Americans get, so a hundred years ago, no one got circumcised except for when it was religious. And, American doctors were obsessed with anti-sexuality. We're talking the times of, uh, you know, Kellogg. When you, you know how like Kellogg's cornflakes were invented as a way to stop people from masturbating. You know this, right? Really? Yes. Kellogg's cornflakes were a non-protein-rich uh, and uh, 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 a yeah, this food that didn't have protein because they believed the protein gave you the energy to masturbate, and they thought masturbation is so bad that you essentially just want to make someone too weak and bored to do it. So they would tell people, or they they thought that people getting excited would cause masturbation. They believed masturbation caused every mental illness. So they literally would tell people don't have meat, don't have any spices, any salt. They were just trying to make their entire existence as bland as possible just to get them to stop masturbating. I mean, these were profoundly stupid people. This is yeah. only like a hundred years ago. You know what so also they, stops you know what stops you from masturbating? Mm-hmm. Eating Kellogg's and having to take a crap all day. That's true. So what they had they made this sludge, right? This like just wheat a corn based sludge that they would feed people, this gruel, and they found that when you put it on a flat iron, when you heat it up, it actually it, it, it turns into cornflakes, and it's much. It tastes much better that way than just as a gruel. Mm-hmm. But the whole idea was they want something that would keep you alive, but have but be so bland that it wouldn't inspire you to touch yourself. And at the same time, they were saying, "Well, why are people masturbating? How, how do we stop it?" And they said, "Well, you know, when you when you're not circumcised, you sometimes you know, and you wash yourself right, you get itchy, and when you're itchy, you kind of move the foreskin, and that that could lead to 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 masturbating." Okay. And that's why all Americans started getting circumcised in the hospital, all Gentile Americans, because they said this is the only way to get your kid to stop masturbating when he grows up. It's honestly kind of depressing even having this conversation because we're talking about, like, modern history. Yeah. Less than the, and fewer people, than 100 years were, ago. Let's move on because yeah, we have were limited that, time. Oh, maybe 110 years ago, something like that. But, yeah, yeah. really. There is a legitimate. Anyway, that, I want to move it, on. It, there is hilarious. a legitimate argument against uh, circumcision. I, I have well, to, yes, back I have before to say, there was such a thing as soap, yeah. circumcision made more sense. Yeah. Now you can actually clean yourself. Yeah. I have to say, the only thing more traumatic than watching my son get circumcised was watching my daughter get circumcised. It is just one of the worst rituals, but I can't That's a funny mutilation joke. Huh? That is a good mutilation joke. Thank you. Uh, and I, I was trying to squeeze it in. I had it in my pocket the minute the but you okay, let's I do get annoyed when people compare the two in earnest because female circumcision is it, it, you can't compare the two. That is a that is a mutilation whereas the yes. male circumcision you don't lose anything no. you need. You just have slightly less sensitive penis and you are also less likely to get HIV when you're right. circumcised. Right. That's just the separate, and, and there's nothing you know, funny about recent uh, you know, good thing about it, but yeah, you can't compare that to what they do to women. It's it is extremely disrespectful to the victims of female genital mutilation to even put in the same category as male circumcision. But hey, if you want to get your kid circumcised, I totally get it, and right. I totally see why there's there's no need for it to be a widespread thing. Yeah, just like I'm think I also don't think it's that big a deal if you want to. So, 
Before we move on, I just want to say something about the Internet and the politically correct movement. There was a time when uh, female circumcision was funny. Now, hear me out, because the Internet didn't exist and we didn't know what was going on around the world. It was an abstraction, the idea of female circumcision. We heard that the Bedouins did it, but no one really knew about it. And then we had the Internet, and by the time 9-11 came around, suddenly we started hearing about this, and it went from being a possible punchline to how dare you. And so what, you know, a lot of comedy comes from what we don't know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yes. That, well, that As long as we don't know about something, then it's okay to make jokes about it. And that's why the politically correct movement is correct. But you're dealing with ignoramuses who haven't come up to speed on the plight of transsexual people yet. That's, yeah, sure. Yeah. And that's why Republicans make such great audiences, because they're willfully ignorant. They choose not to know. So they laugh. OK, the Super Bowl. Yeah. What did you yeah, think? Yeah, Super Bowl was fun. Whose crotch uh, did you like better, J-Lo's or Shakira's? Uh, hey, God bless them. They did a great job, and they danced, and they sort of sang, and, you know, good for them. Uh, I mean, I, I thought J-Lo, for 80 years old, J-Lo looks amazing. I, yes, David, to piggyback on that, I, I thought she looked just as good there as she did at her first uh, World War II USO show. Yes. If we're going to really make old jokes. But no, she looks great. She, yeah. Look, I, she, she's, uh, she's one of, I mean, look, she, I like how people are just like, this is what women at 50 look like now. And it's like, no, that's what she looks like at 50. <laughs> she happens to be one of the most preserved 50-year-olds on the planet. Let's not, I, I kind of dislike the idea that of like, we're, we keep going to her like, 50 years old in the 80s was the Golden Girls. And now it's this, and it's like, for most women, it's not that. Let's no. let's let's not give a bunch of forty-year-old and fifty-year-old women a complex. Jennifer Lopez has an industry behind her, keeping her young looking. And I think they're uh, great role models for young girls. I think. I mean, I don't have any specific. I'm being sarcastic. With, I know you are, but I mean, I don't really see. I mean, Shakira. I can't. I can't think of a single thing, you know, wrong with how Shakira's lived her life. I mean, she, but, but do you she think that's the, do, you, do, you, really, do you think that's appropriate for young girls to see superstars sexualizing their body that way in front of millions of people and getting celebrated for the sexualization of their freakishly thin bodies? I mean, it, it really creates a standard of beauty that that I try to achieve and I I can't. I don't know that I found anything they did particularly, you know, uh, over the line or, or overly sexual. I mean, it's dancing. Really? Uh, well, I don't, I don't think Shakira did anything that was, I, I find like, you know, the actual, like when it gets a little, you know, more, you know, when it's, when it's you know, it looking like sex, that's more. But I mean, I didn't really see Shakira doing any of that. Jennifer Lopez just kind of does that. She's also, Jennifer Lopez is doing like a stripper kind of themed dance now because that's what she's. Oh, really? really I thought the for. poll was there to celebrate America's firefighters. Yeah. But I mean, no, it, it is a little stripper theme because she has a big movie out. And, you know, and let's be fair, we're, it's also a violent sport of people hitting each other. So we shouldn't act like that's what ruined anything. Uh, but it's no, everything I didn't really that's wrong with America. Me. 
It's everything that's wrong. The Super really? Bowl is it's everything that is wrong. Oh, no, I mean the Super Bowl America. in general. I mean, you could you can argue that more than I'd say that there's anything specifically wrong with them dancing that way. I, look, I don't want to see little kids twerking either, but this is, you know, that that's also an adult thing. This is how adults dance, and I don't think we necessarily need to sanitize things that far. It's certainly not on the same level of, you know, r- exposing Janet Jackson's boob. I think that was a little bit more in poor taste. You know, the and Islamic also- Brotherhood. Are you still with them? Uh, I was never an official member. And by the way, before we get off the Super Bowl, I just want to point out, if you didn't, I hope people had fun watching it, and uh, I found the best way to have fun was to just find the person who knew less about me, about less than me about football, and just convince her that uh, Mahomes wasn't the quarterback's name. It's just what the white sportscaster calls any black player whose name he can't remember. That's funny. Made it a lot more fun for her because literally every because then she just had a terrified look every time he would say like, "Oh, that was an amazing throw by uh, Mahomes over there." Right. That's funny. Yeah, it's a good joke. I like that. The I was going to talk about Islamic Brotherhood. There was this guy, Katoub, who traveled through America in the 50s. He lived in Colorado Springs, and this was in the 50s. And I believe he was Egyptian, and he was a philosopher, and he saw how scantily clad American women were in the 50s. Mm-hmm. And... He became the spirit of Al-Qaeda and the Islamic Brotherhood and talked about Western values, how they cheapen women and turn them into tarts and that we have to maintain the hijab and the burqa, that this so-called sensuality destroys a culture. And that was the fruit of Al-Qaeda. Katub was right. the philosoph, the philosopher behind it. And when I was watching uh, Shakira specifically, I was thinking, I if I were in the Middle East and just even remotely religious, I would think I I don't want any American values coming to my daughter or to my village. But this person who, Katoub, he also believed that he would be given 72 virgins in heaven, right? Uh, that was not, no, he was a pretty, he was pretty, no, I don't think so. I think that was a bastardization of his teaching. That's not something he would actually believe. No, if, I think that's... I, I'm, I'm simply referring to the concept of what exactly is he offended by? Is he offended that the women's morals are being uh, damaged, or is he offended that this property is being uh mal handled like if you if you think that god is like you know printing virgins i mean how much respect could you possibly have for a woman an individual woman well if that was something that i don't know i i think the perversion came from bin laden's partner the the ophthalmologist from egypt i forgot his name assad no, no, there was the Al-Qaeda. Dentist, sorry, he was a dentist, sorry. Yeah. No, Assad was also an ophthalmologist. I thought he was a, okay. And you'd think an ophthalmologist would have seen the Civil War coming in Syria. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Rand Paul's nice. also an ophthalmologist. You would think he would see how bad his Just hair like looks. Just like Assad? Yeah, you would, you'd think he'd see how bad his hair looks. I mean, it's, it's upsetting. Yeah. It's, uh... 
Well, I mean, if the question is, I mean, obviously. I think the problem is ophthalmologists, quite frankly. Well, the problem is. Assad's an ophthalmologist. Rand Paul is an ophthalmologist. And Osama bin Laden's partner was an ophthalmologist. Well, the problem, of course, is the idea of expecting people who do not follow your belief system that believe that they have to and believing that other people not agreeing with you is a threat. And the only time you should ever look at another culture as inferior, as having inferior values is when it's specific to victimization. Uh, if, you know, if it's causing human pain, that's one thing. Otherwise, you're just making up what right and wrong is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, look, we the, the worst thing we could ever do is tell women to cover up because it might upset someone who has nothing to do with them. Right, right. And I, frankly, you know, look, why do you think people who want women to wear to cover up and not be able to show their bodies? Why do you think they are threatened by that? It's not because they think that like the woman is going to be taken advantage of. It's because they think the woman will have the power of the, the, she will have the power over that man by having this sexuality that he's afraid of. Right. That he, they're going to they look at the sexuality as uh, as a as a weapon that they don't have an answer to. Right. I mean, men are in charge of women because they're bigger. Mm-hmm. That's the that's why we just it's the the rest of it is all grandfathered in. We're just, they started out as bigger and they just said we're going to keep this power and and you're going to figure out what we have to do to retain it and you know. Many people have made the joke about it's just looking at a nude woman's body and saying, I, I hate the way that I'm, I want to give this woman everything I have and I just want, all I want is to be able to have this woman feel affectionate toward me. So I'm going to make her cover it up so I don't have to deal with it. Right. All right. I think I figured the joke out. I wasn't right, really listening to you. So Osama bin Laden's wingman uh, on 9 11 was. Uh, Zarahari, I'm in Al Zarahiri or something like that. He's an ophthalmologist, right? Oh, uh, I'm in Al Zarahiri was an ophthalmologist. I didn't know that. Yeah. And so he was on the phone with bin Laden on 9 11. And when, when the first tower was struck, he said, better like this. Then the second tower was hit. He went, how about now? Better That's funny. I mean, it's even funnier just because, of course, you worked at the World Trade Center uh-huh. uh, at that time and got a phone call to, you know, not to go in that day. I from did. The rabbi. From my rabbi. I'm, yes. I'm just, I'm just piggybacking, making the most offensive jokes we can right now. Hey. Uh, as you know, as a Jew, it's you know, it's our responsibility to make everyone else feel better about the things that we caused. Yes. Hey, Dave Cyrus is a brilliant comedian, comedy writer, roast battle champion. When's your next roast battle? I don't know. Uh, last one with Matt Broussard went so well. Maybe I'll just stop. Okay. Uh, I don't have. An, I don't. There's just too much work. Uh, and, I'll definitely do more. And I what promise. movies are you working on? I know the the Judd. I'm Apatow. not allowed to talk about that. But you, you have a Judd Apatow it? film in the can. It's in the can. Yeah, that's uh, coming out in June. So there's plenty of time for that. Uh, I'm working on something. Am I coming uh, to the opening? Or do I have an invite to the big opening to walk the red carpet? Uh, well, Robert was in it. I mean, he might have an extra. But I have a friend who wrote the script. Yeah, 
I'm uh, I'm very pessimistic right now about how many actual tickets I'll be getting to this premiere. And I'm not making fun of you. I actually am very worried about how many tickets I'm going to get to this premiere because, I don't know if you know this, I've met a lot of people in my life, and they all expect to go. Yeah, but I'm David so, Feldman. Yes, I mean, like I said, you're one of the big reasons why I got the movie. Because, you know, it was your recommendation to Judd when we were both doing your show that led to us talking about the script. Let's just keep that in so people believe that. No, they know I'm kidding. Oh, okay. For a they, second they, there, they I did believe that. Your fans are smart enough to know what I'm doing a bit. All right. Like, it could be. It sounds like it could be true. Well, that's, that's, that's the element of a good joke, David. Yeah. It, has to, it sounds real, but then you think about it and you realize it's crazy. Well, what, what if I said, you know, I spoke to Judd about you? Yeah. I know you did. I remember you telling me about that. So, I mean, I and, could, uh, you know, my theory about telling one lie every day mm -hmm. for a year. Don't you think we could take over the world if we told one really great lie each day? You could take over this world. Well, let's start now. Dave Cyrus, always a pleasure to have you on the show. How do people follow you on Twitter? Hey, you know, Dave Cyrus. It's like virus. S-I-R-U-S. Yeah. All right. Anything you and, want to plug uh, before I play our theme song? I guess not. I, I, I forgot. Where. I have things coming up, but I don't, <laughs> I'll, I'll plug them next time. All right. Hit it, Jim LaHood. It's time for our comedy virus. Let's all welcome Dave Cyrus. And let me just say, if Jim Mahood doesn't send us any more theme song, if he stops with the music, I'm going to start just spreading rumors that he was arrested for crimes against humanity. So, Jim, if you're listening, you can stop writing music. That's your choice. But it would be a real shame to use this show as a as a platform to destroy your reputation. So that can go right. What? I can I can go. You can go? Yeah, to hell, you son of a bitch. Stay on the line for one second. Have you called in your backup becomes now? See if we can get some more brain power in this We thing. got one here. Roger. Fly in, go. Go and go. Uh, he's, never mind, he's straightening up a little bit. Okay. Okay, now let's everybody keep cool. We got the limb still attached. The limb spacecraft's good. So if we need uh, to get back home, we got a limb to do a good portion of it with. Okay, let's make sure that we don't do anything that's going to blow our CSM electrical power with the batteries or that will cause us to lose the main or the uh, fuel cell number two. Okay, we want to keep the O2 and that kind of stuff working. We'd like to have RCS, but we got the command module system, so we're in good shape if we need to get home. Let's solve the problem, but let's not make it any worse by guessing. You're listening to the David Feldman Radio Program, you sad, pathetic hump. Good. Let's do that. On Monday, impeachment managers and Donald Trump's defense attorneys made their final argument in the Senate. 
Donald Trump delivers the State of the Union tonight, and tomorrow the Senate is expected to acquit him. Meanwhile, the 2020 presidential election kicked into full gear Monday night with the Iowa caucuses. Here to make sense of it all is Congressman Alan Grayson, whose new book is High Crimes, the Impeachment of Donald Trump. Buy it over at impeachbook.com. Congratulations on being invited back to my show. <laughs> oh, my God. You don't know how relieved I feel. I, you know, I was I was on pins and needles. And believe me, that's really quite painful. If you don't believe me, try it yourself. Very, very uncomfortable. I've always wanted to say that to somebody. Congratulations on being invited back to my show. What makes your book about impeachment? Let's be serious, please. You know, that line is worthy of, of Rush Limbaugh. Uh, that's, 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 that's something that could come out of Limbaugh's mouth. Well, we, he's, you, I don't know if you heard the news about him. I did. Oh, okay. I did hear the news. Yes. Well, he's a fellow Floridian. Who knew hot air was carcinogenic? But, uh, <laughs> It wasn't the cigars. That's right, a good let, line. That's a good line. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, what makes your great book even greater and what makes it different from all the other books about impeachment is you set Trump's crimes. Stop, against, stop. My, the book is blushing. Oh, the book is blushing. It might be gas. The book is blushing. <laughs> <laughs> High crimes, the impeachment of Donald Trump. Buy it over at impeach. Book.com. And what makes it different from all the other books about impeachment is Congressman Alan Grayson sets the crimes of Donald Trump against all the other impeachment trials in American history. So in terms of fairness, in terms of hewing closely to the spirit of impeachment, will Mitch McConnell's trial be viewed favorably by history? No. I mean, the main character didn't even bother to show up. Most people don't realize this, but generally speaking, impeachment trials, the defendant shows up and defends himself, uh, tries actually to get himself acquitted. In this case, he had Mitch McConnell do it all for him. Well, wait, wait. Um, uh, Trump. Did Clinton show up for his trial? Uh, no, but there's a good reason for that. Um, what it would have to do with what he was accused of. Mm -hmm. uh, in, in Clinton's case, he was accused of lying under oath, and it would be no point in having him show up and possibly lie under oath again. <laughs> that's, 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 that would have been really, yeah, that would really be pointless. Yeah. yeah, Right, but in general, you know, we're, we're talking about impeachable offenses other than testifying falsely under oath. You want the person there to explain what he did and why he did it. And that's how the impeachment trials normally work throughout history. There's been almost 20 of them at the federal level that work that way. There's been roughly uh, half of that number at the state level among governors. And I looked at all of them. And, you know, normally you, you expect somebody to show up and explain himself. Did Andrew and Johnson happen here? Did Andrew Johnson show up? I believe he did. I would have to go back and check. Okay. But I believe that he did. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, the, 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 the ones that I'm familiar with, uh, you wouldn't even entertain the possibility that you'd go, you'd pass up the chance to, uh, to testify and explain yourself away. I mean, you know, the, the, the to, most of the impeachments in history have been of judges. 
and most of them were accused of corruption. Uh, and generally speaking, they show up and they say, no, 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 I, this may seem like I was on the take, but actually, it, you know, I, I was on the take from both sides, so they sort of canceled out. <laughs> that would be a typical defense. Um, by the way, I, I'm not joking about that. That actually did happen once. Really? In England, the, um, the, the, the equivalent, this is Sir Francis Bacon of all people, the equivalent of their chief justice of the Supreme Court was impeached for corruption, and he came and testified, and he said that he took money from both sides and from all sides. <laughs> Whenever they put the, the, the money in his hand, he closed, he closed his hand. Oh. But, but, but he said, he said, it never once influenced his decision. Was he? I, I Not think even it, once. In your book, I I think he is the the first impeachment upon which all other impeachments flow from. He was the only one that we really went into detail about in England. So he was not the first. There were a, a significant number of them when heads are rolling during the Cromwell, Cromwell times and so on. But uh, I thought Bacon was particularly interesting because he illustrated um, what is historically the most common uh, reason for impeachment, which which is that you're taking money on the table or you're otherwise corrupt. Right. And we have plenty of that in Donald Trump's case. It's just that the Democrats haven't gotten around to impeaching him for that yet. Right. I mean, uh, you know, the the the. the the man has a fabulous scam going regarding his hotel in D.C., his hotel in New York. Um, you know, he, he wanted to bring the world leaders to uh, the G, uh, G8 conference to his hotel and so on and so forth. And, and, and you know, that he's making an awful lot of money. The, the Trump hotel down the block from the White House actually lost money the year, that he, the year before he was elected and took office. And then in his first year in office, according to his own reports, the hotel made $40 million in profit. What yeah. a fantastic arrangement, especially considering the fact that he's leasing it, uh, it's federal property that he's leasing, uh, which is itself illegal, itself unconstitutional. So in most cases, uh, getting back to what I was saying before, in most cases the defendant in the teaching trial shows up and tries to explain what he's done and why he did it. And we didn't have the privilege of that here. And, in fact, I'm really disappointed the Democrats didn't even ask. Well, I guess I, yeah. they 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 felt they would be lucky if they had any witnesses, and it turned out that that was correct. But um, they should have been saying from day one that if Donald Trump needs to show up, he needs to testify, he needs to testify under oath. And if he doesn't, then he's a what? What should we say? Well, I mean, what is a politically correct way these days to describe somebody who is too afraid to show up? A Republican. Think of a, way to, a Republican. <laughs> right, that's good. That's good. I don't want to offend anybody here. Uh -huh, uh -huh. I do want to point out that he would be a Frady cat. Oh my that's God! Okay, right. That's, I mean, the, that's not the fair cats to cats. Are going to be up in arms about that? Yeah, afraid now. Yeah, I mean, okay, you've already got sorry, bed bug sorry. lovers. I know hating you for <laughs> trashing the Trump Hotel. Now I got to get the cat lovers <laughs> writing in. I don't think the cat lovers are going to come to the defense of cats. I think cats might come. I know that cats are a major, major part of your audience. Yes. So I, I yes. apologize in advance for all, all of the two or three cats that will no longer <laughs> listen to the show.
Well, I'm going to ask you a difficult question because I know that you like Nancy right. Pelosi. You've said on the show that you love Nancy Pelosi oh. and that you are you are a politician. I'm going to ask you a difficult question. And that is, why didn't they swap Hunter Biden for Parnas Giuliani and uh, Mulvaney? Wouldn't that have been a great trade? You have Hunter Biden go up and testify for a day or two, and then we get to hear the rest of them. What's wrong with that? Well, that offer was, was never on the table. That, that was never offered by the GOP. I think it was offered by the GOP. That's not how this works. Okay, that's just not how this works. And the way it works, I think I've, I've described earlier, which is McConnell checks to see what he has votes for. What can he possibly get 51 votes for? That's the minimum that he can offer. And then he offers it. And offer is not even the right word to use. He sort of dictates it. He says, this is what I have 51 votes for. He doesn't feign it. He doesn't, you know, try to fake anybody out. He goes and he says, this is what I have 51 votes for. And uh, then the Democrats get to decide if they're going to vote for it or against it. But that's the only decision that they get to make because the decision is made by the, the, the members of the Republican caucus who get to 51. Um, and that's it. That, that's, that's how that works. Um, that's how that works in almost every case. The only, uh, the only exception I can think of uh, was the health care vote where McCain just didn't tell anybody how he was going to vote. And right. that turned out to be something of a surprise. But le- leaving that one counterexample aside, that's how it works. So it's not like, it, I mean, there's the illusion of horse trading. But if, if you've been on the inside and you actually have watched these things uh, unfold in front of you, right, you know, right in your physical presence, you realize that that's simply not, there's very little actual negotiating that ever goes on between the right. Republicans and the Democrats. It's simply, you assemble your majority and then you tell the other side what it is. Right. That's it. And that, that's a good answer from a Harvard technocrat. And, and I salute you for maintaining the status quo. But the truth is, kind. I'm a populist, my friend. I'm a populist. <laughs> and you know what? Populism is very popular. <laughs> if you don't believe me, just ask the people. <laughs> but you gave me a, a, a well-tested, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you hired McKinsey in preparation for this interview. That was a good answer. Focus group tested, but you're protecting Hunter Biden. I mean, that, that was a good answer. The fact is, a, an impeachment trial, a, a, according to your book, is very political, and the the voice of the people is factored into what Mitch McConnell is going yes. to decide. I mean, uh, another great regret that I have is, is that there should have been half a million people outside of of Every day on Capitol Hill. Well, let's get to that in a second. Let's get to that. Impeach and remove, impeach and remove, impeach and remove. I mean, we saw the Tea Party turn people out on Capitol Hill, and and I'm really sad that they could, you know, our side couldn't even fill the frickin' galleries. Excuse me for using frickin' on your show, but the, 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 you know, it's, it's really quite a disappointment to me. Now, I understand that. What we saw was all basically Koch brothers' money being yes. spent on things like the buses and the food and the lavatories and all of that. I get that. I understand how that actually works. But I, I still regret the fact that we didn't, you know, literally have the, the rafters shaking with people demanding that Trump be removed from office. The polling was there to support it, but the intensity wasn't there. 
Well, people were tweeting in the streets. They didn't. Have, let me get back to Hunter. <laughs> let me get back to Hunter Biden. That's true. That's true. Let me get, let okay, me get back right. to Hunter you want, Biden. Yeah, I, you seem to really, really want to talk about Hunter Biden. So let me just cut through the. You know what? Let me just tell you what I really think about that. Okay. This is what I, this is my honest opinion, and I, I have actually tweeted about this so you know it's my opinion. <laughs> um, I don't know to what extent, uh, Biden, uh, somehow tolerated or allowed or participated in or, uh, enabled Hunter Biden to do what he did. And I think that that question needs to be answered before anybody draws any conclusions about what this means for Joe Biden, because um, the the sins of the son do not ascend to the father. Um, it says so in the Bible or something like that, something like that in the Bible. I think it's the, and, the, the and, sins and, of the father. I think it's a Greek tragedy. The sins of the father are visited upon the children. It goes back to the Greeks. Oh, OK. All right. Fine, uh, whatever. Either way, whatever great tradition it comes from, there's a, there is a sort of principle involved there. You know, I have five children. I think I raised them well, but if one of them did something wrong, I honestly wouldn't expect somebody to point the finger at me for that, um, unless I was actually involved in it. You know, then then there would it would be problematic. I you know we had. Uh, Jimmy Carter's brother going around, parading around, trying to get every kind of endorsement deal he could get. Remember From that? Libya. From Libya. Remember that? From Libya. Yeah. Yes. And he was, uh, I believe right. he got and, into and, trouble for that. And, but yes, but, but nobody, I don't think anybody reasonably blamed Jimmy Carter for that. He just had an idiot brother. Right. Um, you know, Billy, Billy Bush, he pops up out of nowhere and a recording of Trump about grabbing <laughs> genitalia that you know that the, the you know the bush family obviously um had some you know weird branches on that tree mm-hmm. and, and you know that's that's sort of the partly just human nature if if biden was actually involved i think that he should be held accountable for that but i don't know that yet i'm not there yet okay so let me you're you're being a little slippery here because I feel very passionate about this. I am not a big fan of Joe Biden. Full disclosure. I'm not a big fan either. I'm just trying to be fair. Okay, I, so- I, am def- I definitely am not a big fan of Joe Biden. And I'm sure that when they put together their final 30-second ads against Joe Biden, if he is the nominee, they will, they will take a clipping of this show. They'll take a clip of the show and, and point out to the world that you and I are both not fans of Joe Biden, and they'll spend at least fifty million dollars on that ad. Okay, but let me let me um, let me just be, let, let me just ask this question, and and give me a, yes. try to give me a serious answer to this question because it does aggravate me. Joe Biden and the Democrats say that Donald Trump is an existential threat to the soul of our democracy, and we must do everything to defeat him. But not if it means my son Hunter has to spend a day under oath before the Senate so that we could have parness. It's, it was never it was never up to it was never up to him or Pelosi or anybody else 
If the Senate, the only way he was going to testify is if the Senate subpoenaed him. If he subpoenaed, if he were subpoenaed, he would have shown up and testified. I mean, it, it's not but, like he has any say in the matter. That's the way subpoenas work. But you they, don't get to say if you show up or not. But it is a political, it's a political kabuki performance. And you, you could say, okay, Rudy, let's do it. Let's go to the well of a Senate no, and have it out. It's not, it, it's not relevant. It's, it, it, I mean, you know, if I were a judge presiding over the case, I, I would rule that, that that's not relevant. I'm not saying it's right. I don't think it's right at all. But, but I'm it's not Donald it's Trump's defense. That is his defense. His defense. But that's a stupid defense. But that's that doesn't not make what any it, sense. Then let I, him make I, a... I took $400 million of taxpayer money and used it to try to bribe a foreign government or blackmail a foreign government or extort a foreign government into investigating a political opponent. And that has nothing to do with the whether the political opponent's son is guilty or innocent or guilty with an explanation or innocent with an explanation, like traffic court or whatever. It, it's simply irrelevant. It doesn't matter what Biden's son did. If the question is, should Donald Trump be impeached or moved from office? Even if, if Biden's son were guilty, it wouldn't have any effect on the fact that Trump abused his authority as president of the United States to do that. Okay. And do that over the course of many months, not just that one phone call, but over the course of many months through Rudy Giuliani and, and, and through Pompeo and, 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 and many other intermediaries, both willing and unwilling in Bolton's case, apparently. Okay. I mean, that he's, he's guilty regardless of whether Hunter Biden is also guilty or not. Two wrongs don't make a right. They don't even make a, a, a wrong and a half. Okay. They're just two wrongs. Okay. That's Let, all they are. Let's cards on the table. Did you go to Harvard Law School? Yes. How many degrees do you have from Harvard? Three. Three three degrees. United States congressman. Correct? Absolutely. Okay. Proud of it. And and I believe you entered world history who made that. I believe you're the only United States congressman to come out of the House of Representatives with less money than you had going into it. Is that correct? Yes, that's definitely correct. You were one of the very successful businessmen. Okay. But unlike you. On the other hand, on the other hand, I had other people who I served with in Congress who came out and went straight to prison. So. Yes. (laughs) It could be worse. It could be worse. So let me let me get this straight. There were there are three of them that come to mind immediately. Okay, one so, of them was in the neighboring district. All right, hang on for one second, Congressman. Three degrees right, from Harvard. Three degrees yeah. from Harvard. You were perhaps the wealthiest man ever to enter the House of Representatives, and you came out. Not true. Not that. No, that's an exaggeration. Go ahead. <laughs> but you came out with less money than you had going in. By a wide margin, yes. Yeah. Okay. That's what a Harvard education gets you. And the point I'm making, I just won the argument, by the way. <laughs> I just pointed out. Right. That I think I, I think I think that pretty much tells you the dangers of listening to technocrats. Listen, you're a guest on my show. I don't. It tells know. you that it tells you the dangers of, of going into politics. I mean, I, you know, <laughs> it, leaving aside the ones I know who ended up in prison, there were many people I knew whose lives were ruined by politics. Yes. I mean, you know, think about the the, the woman who's just 
elected to the House of Representatives of California. And, um, you know, as a result of her being elected, Katie. she had some kind of, yeah. right, that's right, Katie. She, she had some kind of video of her naked or, or I think naked yeah. with someone else in, in bed with her, uh, other than her husband. And that got out there. And, 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 and all, you know, all, all this, the, the, the supposed affair, I say alleged, alleged, supposed, whatever term you're supposed to use with one of her campaign staffers and all this stuff. And, and, you know, and, and she ended up re- resigning. So, I mean, maybe it didn't hurt her financially. Maybe it did. I don't really know one way or the other. But that was, that was a brutal, brutal mistreatment. And it never would have happened to her if she hadn't been elected to Congress. Okay. So um, let me return you know, back. Some people do, some people do well with it personally. I, I've known some like that. Uh, the corrupt ones. And, and some people, you know, it's quite the opposite. You know, it ends up brutalizing them. All right. It is conceivable that you could have been a House manager for the Democrats. I would have been very good at it. Okay. I'm a very, very good attorney. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. And it is conceivable that you you certainly know how to play the, you know, how to get the American people riled up. You're famous for saying amazing things. You're my hero. Had the possibility of Hunter Biden testifying, had that been on the table? And I believe it was. And now you're one of the House managers. Would you have said, let's have Hunter testify? This, why not? Let's ha- let's have him testify if that means Lev Parnas, Mulvaney, if we get them to testify under oath. Sure. Let's have Hunter testify, because that is before you answer me, before you answer me with your focus group tested response. That is Trump's defense. That's what Rudy Giuliani. So let let them offer their defense that they were they wanted to uncover dirt on filthy Hunter Biden. Uh, Isn't sunlight the great disinfectant? Well, my my response is to use the legal term uh, that, that you may or may not be familiar with. The term is ibid. Yes, ibid. You're repeating what you just, just said. The last, you're repeating just something. Look at the last thing I said. Okay, we'll move on. We'll move on. But <laughs> ibid, ibid, Alan ibid. Dershowitz, Alan I, Dershowitz. I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> All right, Alan Dershowitz. Uh, yes. Do you know that OJ called me after Alan Dershowitz spoke in the well of the Senate and said, you know, maybe I did it. After <laughs> I'm starting to think this guy will say anything to get me off. That's what that's what he used as one telephone call. <laughs> that's what he call used. You. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's a wasted dime. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's. He's he's losing it. Were you ashamed of Harvard Law School when you saw Alan Dershowitz? Were you ashamed to be a liberal Democrat? Alan Dershowitz claims to be a liberal Democrat. Were you ashamed? No, he hasn't claimed to be a liberal Democrat for a long time. That that part is not true. You know that that's a very very interesting question. Uh, to what extent is the institution 
if this is your question, yes. To what extent is the institution responsible for uh, the the? Um, Oh my goodness! Um, Transgressions, lack of credibility. All right, let's go with that. Let's go with that. Transgressions uh, of of its uh, faculty and former faculty. I don't think Dershowitz teaches any longer. Um, and you know, the, this is a question that you know comes up with some frequency. There, it, it came up this year at Harvard Law School. Um, and it, it comes up at, at other law schools from time to time, too, because for some reason, law professors at Harvard aren't satisfied with whatever they make, which is around a quarter of a million dollars a year, I think, mm-hmm. and the, the tenured faculty. And they, they, they go and they, you know, try to augment that by representing uh, private clients. And that's, you know, that's been true now for something like a quarter of a century. Didn't Elizabeth Warren um, defend the breast implant manufacturer? I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I don't know the answer to that. Well, that she I, did. I'm the wrong person to ask. Maybe you should go and ask her. Well, I, I know. Or I know the answer. You know. I know. So she it was did. a rhetorical question. You yes. didn't really, you didn't really want to know what I had to say or think about that. You just like spewed it out there as if I was like the wall. I just, you know, I'm. I'm I'm some inanimate object, and you just go and you ask your questions without any hope that I have anything useful to say. I, I am going to use a Latin word. Excuse counselor. me. I'll tell you something, counselor. One rule I always follow when I'm practicing law is that I, I always ask questions where I actually want to know the answer to the question. That's, that's the first rule. Of- I really want to find out what the, what the witness has to say. I don't really. You're not supposed I mean, to do I that. Mean, you're not supposed to do that. Yeah. Well, God. Now they tell you. Okay. Maybe it's just my my personal quirk that I actually give a damn about what people say when I'm talking to them. That's just me. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, um, the I you know I I do certainly would be a very poor host of a, a radio show a podcast because I would actually like listen to the witness. And, mm-hmm or the guests and, and ask a question based upon what they were saying rather right. than just whatever was being swirling in my own head right. at the time. <laughs> just to, all right, I'm focused. I'm listening. To get back to what we're saying, all right, to get back to what we were saying, the, the, there's a great debate at Harvard Law School about whether whether an, an attorney who is professionally bound to make the best case he can is somehow tainted by uh, ma- making a case for an evil client. Um, and, you know, the, the, this does come up from time to time and came up this year at Harvard Law School. And I don't, I don't know what the right answer is to that. Um, I do know that I would definitely be unwilling myself, even no matter how much she wanted me to say it, no matter how much she paid me to say it, I could never bring myself as Donald Trump's lawyer to say the things that Alan Dershowitz said, I, 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 you know, having researched the, the research of the book, having delved through the primary materials that he claims he looked at, um, he completely misrepresented, um, the, the history of impeachment in the United States in a way that I could never do, no matter what the, the stakes involved, either personally or politically or professionally. I couldn't do it. He took a hero, um, they, I know, believe, Curtis, who stood up against Tawny in Dred Scott, but then defended Andrew Johnson, and he used 
uh, Curtis's good name to defend Donald Trump. He kind of bastardized American history, right? Well, I mean, this this is what happens when when you uh, you know hire. Uh, your legal research is at $12 an hour to do your thinking for you. Well, he's only uh, making you know, they're, a they're, quarter they're, of a million a year. What do you want from the poor guy? How is he supposed yeah, to? I'm sure, I'm sure Trump paid him a pretty penny, but I, I guess we'll find out when the quarterly statements get filed. But in, in any event, the, 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 fact, the fact is that um, there are arguments to make. There are arguments to make that, that, uh, a, Based upon certain historical analogies, you can make the arguments that it's a close question of some kind uh, whether this kind of abuse of power should result in removal from office. You, there are arguments to be made. Those are not the arguments that I heard from him. Those are not the arguments that I heard from Ken Starr. Instead, I heard nonsensical, fabricated arguments. And that isn't, don't even get me started about the White House counsel, who is a pathological liar and works for another one. I mean, the, the, the things that came out of his mouth were completely, completely beyond anything I would recognize as professional for a lawyer. So. You talk about Jay Sekulow. So, so no, I'm, I'm talking about Cipollone. Oh, okay. Um, the the uh, Sekulow was bad, but I mean, the, but he's a friend it, of yours. We're just talking about <laughs> bad, worse, and 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 worse. It's right. sort of like the the range they're talking about here. They, they were all absolutely dishonest, deeply dishonest, made arguments that you could never make in court without being sanctioned. Um, you know, there, there's a standard in court. It's called Rule 11. Okay. Uh, you, you, you have to make, you have to have a good faith basis for making your arguments. Mm-hmm. I didn't hear arguments that I felt would meet that standard from the president's lawyers. There are, the arguments they're making were, um, grossly, grossly misrepresenting, uh, the, the, the actual legal precedents, the facts and, and so on. I mean, look, the, the fact is that there have been people who have been impeached and removed for office for things that ex- almost exactly like Donald Trump has done. We've discussed this before on your show. Uh, we, we, we have the example of Rob Lulovich, the governor of Illinois, who was removed for several reasons, but one of the reasons why he was removed from office, impeached and removed from office, is because um, he withheld uh, a, a $90 million loan to the, the owners of the Chicago Tribune, uh, he withheld that loan from them uh, on condition that they had to fire one of their reporters. Um, that's really not terribly different from what Donald Trump did with Ukraine. Right. Um, the, it's hard for me to distinguish between those two cases in any meaningful way. He was impeached and was removed from office for, among other things, that. Uh, the governor of Texas, uh, James Ferguson, Pa Ferguson, he was impeached and removed from office because... His political opponent, after the election, after he beat him, his political opponent uh, went on the University of Texas faculty, and he told the University of Texas, either you fire him or I will cut off your funding. And then he did. He zeroed out the funding for the entire University of Texas, the largest largest public college in the entire country. Um, and and then the, the trustees caved. They fired his political opponent, and then he restored the funding. But... People were so fed up with him, they impeached him and they removed him from office for doing that. That's the kind of stuff we're talking about with Trump. Right. You know, the, uh, how do you distinguish between the Trump case and the Ferguson case? You really can't. So if, unless you're going to go into cloud cuckoo land like, like Starr did, mm-hmm. uh, like Dershowitz did, 
it, if you actually look at the history of this, you'll find that there are many examples of similar activity that resulted in impeachment of from office. But in that, you know, in this case, we had Mitch McConnell digging in his heels and, and trying to make the whole thing go away. Well, we're talking with Congressman Alan Grayson. He's the author of High Crimes, the Impeachment of Donald Trump. And in the book, you write that Donald Trump is guilty, literally, of everything every other official has been impeached for in the history of impeachment. Yes, it's so, true. Yeah, it's it's a fact. You know, you could you can give a, you can give 10 different examples of the abuse of power that we saw um, tried by the Senate, 10 different examples of that in the case of Donald Trump. So abuse of power is one of the things that people have been impeached and removed from office for. Obstruction of justice is another. Um, it ha- you know, happens to have been the case in both the Clinton precedent and the Nixon precedent, and also the Walter Nixon precedent. He was a judge who was impeached and removed from office. So you know, the, the two things that are mentioned um, in Trump's case are things that Trump has committed 50 times over. Wow. Uh, but then you get into other things that, that people have been impeached or removed from office for, for uh, that Trump is, is skating on right now, his divided loyalty, the fact that um, he admits that his policy toward Syria and Turkey is, is color, and Iraq is colored by the fact that he owns two uh, Trump Towers uh, in Istanbul. He said it. He said it himself. Um, you know, there's no doubt about it. It's not debatable. That sort of thing uh, is what got William Blount removed from the Senate. That's a historical precedent. Right. Uh, you've got, you know, bribery cases. You've got corruption cases. Trump is just as guilty as anybody was of these things. You've got emoluments cases. Uh, you've got campaign misconduct cases. The governor of New York, William Sulzer, uh, was removed, was impeached and removed from office for failing to report $7,000, $7,000 of contributions to his political campaign when he ran for governor. And he was impeached and removed from office for that. And, and what about Trump? You know, the, the, what was the latest estimate of the Russian campaign spending that he elicited, uh, from, from the Russians, you know, not only in terms of, of online advertising, which was paid for in rubles, uh, but also in, in terms of, of the, the, uh, the, the hacking of the DNC and then spewing of that all over the Internet. I mean, the, the, this, these were much more important than what William Seltzer got out of $7,000. You had people removed from office because of conduct unbecoming the office. My God, when on what day of his presidency has Trump not exhibited conduct unbecoming the office? You've had people removed from office for sexual misconduct. We had one two years ago. The governor of Missouri was removed from office because of sexual misconduct. You know, he he was guilty of misconduct with one woman. Trump's up in the 40s right now. There's more than 40 women who have stepped forward uh, and, and identified themselves and said they were victims of sexual misconduct by Donald Trump. You've got tax evasion. I voted on one of those. One of the tax evasion cases was a case I voted on when I was in the in the Congress to, to impeach one of those people. And, you know, then you've got the conflicts of interest. Um, the, uh, you, you know, who, you know, the Black Sox were the, the, Any idea who the Black Sox were from night, the world series. That's right. The Black Sox were on the take and, and through the world series and, uh, people were appalled by this and, and felt it had to be cleaned up. So they brought in a federal judge named Kennesaw Mountain Landis to serve as the commissioner of baseball. 
and he did. But he didn't bother to resign as a federal judge before he took over as commissioner of baseball. And this caused quite an uproar that he was continuing to sit and hear cases, even though he was working as a commissioner of baseball. And at some point, uh, the pressure got to be nothing he could resist any longer, so he had to resign. But the point is, you can reach a stage when your outside interests simply countermand your ability to exercise proper judgment as a federal official. And Trump is way past that point. Well, we're talking with Congressman Alan Grayson. Go to impeachbook.com and pick up High Crimes, the impeachment of Donald Trump. Before you go, and thank you, as always, it's, it's, a, it's, it's an honor to have you on this show. The State of the Union is tomorrow. I remember Joe Wilson screaming, you lie at President Obama. I think it was his first State of the Union. He was pushing Obamacare. And I think he was insisting that undocumented workers would not benefit from Obamacare. And Joe Wilson screamed, you lied. And Boehner reprimanded him. And it was unbecoming. You're in the United States Congress. What do you tell the Democrats tomorrow? Do they stand and cheer when they say, ladies and gentlemen, the president of the United States? I mean, they certainly timed this impeachment trial for the spectacle of the State of the Union, right? No, it had nothing to do with it. I don't think that entered Pelosi's mind at all. Pelosi uh, acted in her usual methodical way. She wanted to make sure that there was an impeachment before she started to think about the details of how to prosecute it. And nobody can blame her for that. And she, as I said on your show before, she probably, um, my guess is interviewed something like 50 members on the Democratic side before she decided who would be the impeachment managers. So, no, I don't think it had anything to do with the timing of the State of the Union address. Right. And it had nothing to do with Bernie and Elizabeth and Bennett and Klobuchar being forced to stay away from Iowa and New Hampshire. There was nothing. They weren't actually forced to stay away. There, 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 there have been court rulings that nobody is required to sit through an impeachment trial. You're not, you're, you're a U.S. senator. You can either sit through it or you can walk out. Everyone who was there, um, would, you know, was there because they felt they needed to be there. And anyone was free to go no matter what. I mean, there's, there's no legal authority for insisting that somebody sit through the trial. Okay. Do the Democrats stand and salute the office and clap, or do they turn no. their back? No, I mean I've 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 been to these things before with Trump, and I'll tell you that that's just not how that works. Turning your back would be an interesting development, um, but it's never good to we'll turn your back happens. on Trump. That's you got to keep an well, eye on him, right? That, that, that much <laughs> is true. Yeah. Um, I, he'll, you know, he'll make some snide remark, and then I think the question will be, what will be the Democratic response? You might hear, my guess is that you might hear some booing. Um, I don't know if anybody's gonna walk out. We'll wait and see that. Turning your back, I think, would be completely appropriate, in my opinion. Um, but I'm not sure that you'll see anybody, um, do that. Um, in part because there's just not that kind of solidarity. The most famous recent example of turning your back on the speaker happened in New York. You know what I'm referring to? Turning your back? No. Okay. The current mayor of New York, de Blasio, 
was was giving a speech to a group of of police officers after a uh, an incident of alleged police brutality when de Blasio indicated that he felt that there was cause for concern regarding the, that particular case. And the police uh, in the audience turned their back on him during his speech. They literally refused to look at him and literally turned around and looked the other way. They're police officers. They're kind of used to taking orders. Uh, they're a much more contentious group in the House of Representatives Democratic Caucus. So I don't know if you'd see that kind of, um, you know, you know that, that kind of joint activity. Uh, among them. Will they be they able to like contain? The Will Trump be able to just deliver a, a boilerplate State of the Union, or is he going to riff and turn it into a rally? It would be, be great if he... Uh, how dangerous? Before you go, I want to ask you about the Iowa caucuses. Can you give me, like, two more minutes? Oh, you know, I'm shocked by the results. You know, I never in my wildest dreams expected a 14-way time. I looked at the results a few minutes before I got on the phone with you, and, and all of the candidates have zero. Oh, yeah. That's well. amazing to me. <laughs> well, we're, it's still, we're recording this early in the uh, evening on, uh, uh, you completely <laughs> threw me. Now I'm now I'm completely rattled, and my all right. Let me get back. Um, I flabbered your gaster. You did. Yeah. I you real. I have to. I got to get uh, my thoughts straight here. Donald Trump, State of the Union. Uh, is he coming out of this impeachment? He's going to be acquitted. Is he? Are you worried? How well, dangerous? Well, is not the right word to use. I mean, he, he, no, that's not that's not the right terminology. He's not acquitted. No. That's not the case. What's he, the he term? Will, he will, you, you can say he will not be removed from office. He's not going to get removed from office. There's the impeachment and there's removal or non-removal. That's where we are at this point. How, dangerous is, he, how dangerous is he? And is it double jeopardy? Can, can they file more impeachment charges? They can file anything except exactly the same impeachment charge. You, you have trouble under the Eighth Amendment if you... If you uh, if you do something like that, and under other parts of the Constitution as well, um, that but but anything other than exactly the same complaints would, would be uh, triable, and they they ought to. I mean, if you read the book at impeachmentbook.com, you will find uh, seven different articles of impeachment that I wrote out against Donald Trump, and we've covered a small part of one of them um, in the actual proceedings up to this point. So I hope they do. I will tell you this. I mean, the the um, his ability to wreak havoc uh, has been somewhat limited in the past few weeks. Although, look at Israel. Um, his ability to wreak havoc has been somewhat limited by the impeachment proceedings, and um, just like it was for a time by the Mueller investigation. Uh, so, what's the harm? I mean, what's the harm in actually trying to hold him accountable? Well, when, when for all the when, crazy, stupid things he's done, because after the Mueller investigation folded the day after he made the call to Zelensky. Is he going to get in his twisted mind? Is he going to suddenly think he's Mussolini? He will do bad things as a result of the fact that the Senate voted not, will vote not to remove him, or is very likely to vote not to remove Are him. Are you scared? He will do more bad things. Are you scared? I, you know, I, I don't think it's, it, it's going to... Um, affect me or my family personally um 
Isn't that the motto of the Democratic Party? Isn't that the motto of the Democratic Party? It's not going to affect me personally. Is there anything really wrong with that? I mean, is is it (laughs) fair for voters to actually consider what effect policies have on them individually? I, you know that I don't we t- say over and over again. Gee, I wish people would vote their self interest. Uh, the 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 fact the fact is that the, in part because of Democrats, but in part because of the power of the people in charge in both parties, um, the politics has become like Seinfeld. You know, it's it's a show about nothing. All right, last and two questions. I think that's very unfortunate. Last two questions. Yeah. Last two questions. Okay, Harvard. Professors of law cannot live on two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. I'm being serious. I'm being serious. If uh, I don't think it, I don't think it's Julia Prowl. I think one hundred seventy-four thousand, which is a congressman, is perfectly enough for anybody. But go ahead. Do you believe in a maximum wage at Harvard? In other words, if you want to be a professor of law at Harvard, and all the perks that come with that. In all the glory, there should be a maximum wage, and that if you can't raise a family on $250,000 a year, you're too stupid to teach at Harvard. There should be a maximum wage in order to call yourself a Harvard law professor. This way you will identify with the 99% instead of being what all Harvard professors are, and that is paternalistic errand boys for the ruling class. I think there should be a maximum, but only for others. <laughs> In other words, if I ever taught Harvard Law, that's that's a good answer. All right, now my last question—that was my second to last question. By the way, I do mean that. Okay, I do mean that. If you like, if you get to sit on the Supreme Court, what do you make? Two hundred thousand a year, right? It's something like that. Yeah. If that's not good enough for you, don't sit on the Supreme Court. If making, I, I heard you can make three hundred grand being a doctor in Canada. If that's not enough for you, don't be a doctor. You're, if it's not, if it's not enough, go find some other line of work. That's that's, and I mean that. I do. Now, here's my last question. I don't know if you know this about me, but I believe Bernie Sanders is America's last hope. And that he's kind of like Reagan in 80. Bernie almost got the nomination in 2016. Reagan almost got the nomination in 76. Gerald Ford squeaked it out. People said of Reagan, his, he's too crazy. He'll, will become a fascist regime under Reagan, that there's no way he's going to win. He's insane and his supporters are even more insane. I think Bernie is Reagan. And I think he has the potential to be a transformative president. That's where I'm coming from. Okay. Yeah, I think that's a fair statement. And I and I think the okay. Harvard professors who can't live on two hundred. Not like you care what I think, but uh, no, I, I, I no, I'm going to give you. We already established that you don't really care. I do. I do. I just, I, let me get I'm my literally point. like the sounding board. I like. <laughs> I believe that. Should I just like repeat back what you say? I believe <laughs> the that establishment, the DNC, the that, establishment, is so, that is the so DNC. terrified. 
This is what you want, right? This is good. This is like you're part of you a 99% rally. You want reverb. That's it. <laughs> no, just repeat what I'm saying. It's like a rally with the 99%. That That's you, what you want. That's all you want. I believe, and this is my question, <laughs> the question is, don't you think the Harvard technocrats who can't live on $250,000 a year will get in line? They will bend to Bernie's will and and get on board and try to ride that train into history the same way they rode it with Roosevelt. The people who are fighting him now, once they realize it's inevitable, they're all going to get on board because they're like Hollywood producers. That was my I, I, I was the one who greenlit Seinfeld. I, I can tell you 50 network executives I've met who have taken personal responsibility for Seinfeld. Isn't that what Harvard's going to do? They're all going to get on the Bernie bandwagon. They're going to bend to his will because they're not original thinkers. True or false? Uh, that's true, but it's not like it matters. I mean, you really feel like Harvard professors run the world. That seems like a whole new streak of paranoia I haven't seen from you before. Well. <laughs> that's not true. That's not true. The Koch brothers are the ones who actually like call the shots and people like them. They're the ones who actually decide X versus Y. But Harvard Why is the bourgeoisie. We Harvard. 20 different... Harvard is the bourgeoisie. Marx talks about the bourgeoisie that enables the ruling class. You can't have the Koch brothers without a bourgeoisie, and that's what Harvard produces. The bourgeoisie who no, do it's their actually, bidding. It's not the bourgeoisie. Oh, my God. You know, Marx is rolling in his grave right now listening to you, okay? No, they're not the bourgeoisie. They're the intelligentsia. What does that Please mean? Get, you know, get your terms right. Well, the intelligentsia has more. The bourgeoisie are, are the, the the people selling pizza at the street corner. The small businessmen are the, the bourgeoisie. No, originally the bourgeoisie, the bourgeoisie was the manufacturing class. They were the people underneath the nobility. It's, it's been appropriated. The word bourgeoisie has become middle class, but in the the way Marx the, talks, the, the, the business right, the business people, generally the smaller business people. Yes, the bourgeoisie, the people. Who are not the workers in the factories, the people who are not the clergy, the people who are not the soldiers, the people who are not the noblemen, the, 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 the people in the middle. Most of them were tradespeople, you know, shoemakers and the like. Those were the bourgeoisie. You only have, you have nothing to lose but your shackles. Shackles. Come on, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I misspoke. Congressman, it's an honor. It's just great. I, I love having you on the show. It's, it, I, it's fantastic. As long as, long as we, we keep, you know, quoting the Bible or Greek <laughs> mythology or whatever, you, I will, I will continue Thank to, you. uh, to return. Thank you, sir. Okay. Let me plug your book. All right, High Crimes, you. the Impeachment of Donald Trump. Buy it by going over to impeachbook.com. Who do you think is going to win the Iowa caucuses? All said and done, what do you think is going to happen? By the time people are I'll listening. I'll give you my prediction now. It's because my prediction doesn't matter, but I'll, I'll give you my prediction. I think that Bernie will win uh, the first three, and uh, he may win the fourth one as well. In other words, I think that Bernie will win um, Iowa, uh, New Hampshire, uh, I think that he'll probably uh, win Nevada, and I think that he may win South Carolina. Really? And that means that it's silly to think of Biden as the front runner if he loses all four of the first four contests. 
Wow. That's how I see it. Fantastic. And, you. uh, you know, we'll see what ensues. Uh, there'll always be, you know, a reaction to each action. That's the, the third law of, of politics. It's, uh, Newton's third law of politics. For every action, there'll be an equal and opposite reaction. We'll see what happens when there is a reaction to Bernie winning four out of four, if that's what happens. But that's, that's how I see it right now. I think Biden is fading very badly, um, and losing three out of the next three will certainly not help his cause. And let me ask you. Nor should it. I mean, yeah. you know, he's basically, he's basically running the campaign that Clinton ran just not as well. That's right. what he's doing. And, and you know, there, there's, there, there are reasons for that. There are reasons why he didn't run against Clinton four years ago or, or, or before that, um, 12 years ago. You know, they, he, he's just not as, as, um, how should I put this, um, disciplined and t- in her own way talented, um, as, as she is. Right. Um, I mean, she does have a degree of talent and you have to respect that. Um, so he's, you know, he's, he's running a Clinton campaign without the skills of a uh, Hillary Clinton or for that matter, Bill Clinton. And that's not where people's heads are at right now. And do you it's think, angry for that. do you think when Hillary, like Deng Xiaoping during the Cultural Revolution is sent to a re-education camp, marched through the streets with a dunce cap and then rehabilitated when she comes out of that, will she re-enter the Democratic Party the same way Deng Xiaoping re-entered the Communist Party, you know, repenting and ready to join the Bernie revolution? And then taking over the way Deng Xiaoping did. Yes. Do you think that... <laughs> okay, so that, I wanted to know where this analogy would end. <laughs> so you're, you're, you're picturing... Okay. We have to wrap it up. I'm being fitted for my Mao suit. <laughs> <laughs> right. How do people just like her? Right. <laughs> her Mao pantsuit. Yes, that's right. <laughs> How do people follow you on Twitter? Uh, Alan Grayson. Okay. I think that's right. Yeah. I, I let me let me. Oh my God! What if I'm wrong about that? What if people go to learn the the thoughts of Alan Grayson? Since we're talking about Mao here. Uh, they want to hear the thoughts of Alan Grayson and there was some other Alan Grayson. Nope, nope, it's at Alan Grayson. It, that is correct. Fantastic. Alan He's Grayson, staying. in the raw. Thank you. Stand the line for one quick second. Fantastic, fantastic. You're listening to The David Feldman Show, you happy, self-actualized hump. Kelly Stone joins us. She is running for railroad commissioner of Texas. The primaries are March 3rd, and Kelly has been endorsed by Howie Klein for Texas railroad commissioner. She needs to get the Democrat nomination. March 3rd is the primary. Joining us from Texas is Kelly Stone. Welcome. Thanks, David. Thanks for having me. I'm tickled. Okay, so Kelly, you are going to be our best friend. That's what Howie Klein told me. He said, I have to have you on the show. You're a comedian. You're hysterical. 
and he didn't want to endorse you until he spoke with you. And now Howie Klein is all in giving a full throated endorsement for <laughs> Kelly Stone. She is going to be Texas's next railroad commissioner. I am. It's a statewide office, and I'm running on grassroots grit and gumption. And so I think it, it took some gumption to call up Howie and say, hey, fella, let me tell you about my race. <laughs> <laughs> so here's and, what I think about Texas. By the way, I love Texas. It's another country. and Some of the it. folks here sure think that. Yes. And it should go, I'm, I, I was going to say it should secede, but I, every time I've gone to Texas, I thought there is so much blue potential here and so much tolerance and kindness. And it's just a matter of time before it becomes blue. I see it in the, I, I really do. I see it being almost saving America once it turns blue. Now, one of the tricks to Texas politics is they don't trust the American people or their voters to uh, legislate. So the governor is a ceremonial position. He can do absolutely nothing. It's the lieutenant governor who really controls things or the assembly speaker or the agricultural commissioner who has all the power. I, from what I understand, in Texas, you can't make a move unless you go through the head librarian. Right. They, they, so these jobs like railroad commissioner, they sound kind of like unimportant. And then you find out, right. oh, no, 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 you 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 can't exhale unless you go through the railroad commissioner. How important is railroad commissioner of Texas? That it's such a great question because the Texas Railroad Commission it's it's the most important race that nobody's ever heard of, right? Mm -hmm. um, and because it has nothing to do with the railroads, and Big Oil really likes it that way. They like voters to be confused, and right. and when we go block walking and I talk to folks, they immediately they're like, "Oh, railroad commissioner, yeah," and they start talking to me about Amtrak and light rail, which I'm happy to talk about those things, uh, but the railroad commission does not control the railroads and does not make decisions about, you know, mass transit in the state of Texas. I think over the over the course of time, so the Railroad Commission was actually founded in 1891 by a liberal governor, Governor Hogg. Uh, he was the one that had the funny daughter names that people talk about, like I'm a hog and, and whatnot. And, I don't um, get it. What are, you, what are you saying? What? <laughs> Her name was I'm a and her last name was Hogg. <laughs> That's a nice name. What, what's? Go ahead. I, I, <laughs> I, I would never make I a joke like you. that. Anybody who listens to this show knows that that is I. That's. It's not nice. I don't think it's a it's a joke. That's that's what he named his children. But he was a, he was a liberal fellow, and uh, he was actually trying to bring equality to Texas because mm -hmm. the railroad commission um, they were you know discriminating against folks that that looked a certain way or that were different. So he squealed uh, against this oppression, is what you're saying. He did. It yeah. was to break apart the monopolies, right? Yeah. And so, um, and then 1901 is when we had Spindletop. Spindletop happened. They were looking for water and they found oil. Right. And so then we suddenly, I mean, that changed the course of history. <laughs> and, um, but they decided that the Railroad Commission was the only governmental body that was actually regulating anything. So then they gave them the oil and gas and pipelines and later, you know, coal 
coal and uranium. And so essentially the railroad commission is the, the fossil fuel regulating body. And, you know, it, as big as Texas is, um, you know, we're responsible for, for more of our oil production and export and, and our flaring and venting of, of, uh, the natural gas that our CO2 emissions that the United States is putting out. Texas is the biggest culprit for that. So can I, can um, I stop uh, you for uh, a second? Cause I yeah. find this so illustrative. You're saying that the railroad commissioner has no jurisdiction over railroads. Correct. But it does have jurisdiction. You do, if when you're elected, you will have jurisdiction over gas, oil, fracking, coal. Yep. Yep. Okay. So when, uranium. <laughs> uranium. Okay. I, I, this is really important for me and I think our listeners because when you try to follow government, you kind of feel stupid. It seems complicated. But they want it that way. Yeah. Right? They sure do. I mean, that makes absolutely no sense. And they want it that way. It serves them. It allows the oil and gas industry to continue to elect their own insiders. And so we've got a very fox guarding the hen house system of what's taking place here in Texas. Uh, how, many of the, how, many of the fossil how many Texas voters would you say know how important railroad commissioner is? Well, you know, if I could afford polling data, David, uh-huh. <laughs> I'd probably be doing a little better. Uh, we, we're running on grassroots grit and gumption. So it's a very, um, I'm just a regular working class gal that decided to take on big oil. And, um, so there, there's no data that really shows, you know, what, um, the knowledge base is, uh, within Texas of, of what the railroad commission is and does. And just anecdotally, I've been speaking to groups who are, you know, re- really hardcore Democrats and, and they, they beat the blocks and they do their block walking and they, they go to their meetings and they do their phone baking and they're very engaged. And almost every one of these groups I talk to, they still are learning so much when I talk about the railroad commission. Cause for example, you said the railroad commissioner. There mm-hmm. are three of them. There are three railroad commissioners. Right. Uh, they, they sit on a dais and they each hold six year terms like senators do. OK, so explain so, to me yeah. what, what is the Sunrise Movement? Oh gosh, the Sunrise Movement is so inspirational. And I am, am lucky that I've, I've gotten to get wind and, and, and learn more about what they're doing. But it is a, a youth-led movement, um, to, to bring the Green Deal because unfortunately our children and, uh, and our youth, they don't have a voice in this process. And, but we are destroying the planet. Mm-hmm. And so it's youth speaking up and saying, uh-uh, we can't have this. This is this is unfair. And we know that when we organize, we vote, and we strike, we can make a huge difference. This and is so Greta the Thunberg, Sunrise Movement. The, the girl that Trump makes fun uh, Greta, of. Greta? Yeah, I mean, yeah, because you know he's he's amazing and ethical and all the mm-hmm. kind of things. Like, let's pick on a sixteen-year-old a, a gal with you know Asperger's. Right. Um, but he, um, 
Yeah, Greta, she, there's there's a movement that she has called Fridays for Future, hashtag Fridays for Future, um, because she started striking and, and, and not going to school and protesting every Friday. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's grown as a movement. Uh, and the Sunrise Movement is only a couple of years old. And um, just this past Wednesday... There was the Green New Deal launch party that the Sunrise Movement put out, and there were 2,417 locations all across the United States that hosted a a Green New Deal launch party. Um, And so they are very well organized. And um, really, the the Sunrise Movement were the folks that that decided uh, to take over the Capitol when the the Green New Deal was was. was proposed and, and they, they protested, they sat in and, and they demanded a green new deal. And yet, um, you know, we, here we are. Right. And so have <laughs> so you taken the green, have you taken the green new deal pledge? I absolutely have. Okay. And, and what is uh, that pledge? It, it, it starts by, it's a three paragraph pledge, uh, that says, you know, that America needs a World War II style mobilization, uh, like we had after the Great Depression. And the, the New Deal was designed to create new jobs and, and really sort of flip our system on its head in terms of helping, um, the greater good and, and our, and our public. And so public, public jobs, public works, all of these things were a part of the New Deal movement, and that's where uh, we find that we are now. And so, it, uh, the first paragraph talks about the World War II style mobilization, endorsing uh, the bill put forth um, in our legislature this last year. But then it also goes on to say that I will um, incorporate these uh the green new deal into my office so not just me kelly stone in terms of the green new deal but you know school board members city council members water board members our state legislators all these different folks all of us could do more to implement the goals of the green new deal through our offices once elected and then it also represents the people of texas and a lot of people in texas make their money from oil That's, I mean, it's true. It's true. But shouldn't we sacrifice the planet so a couple of people? (laughs) I'm being serious. Shouldn't we allow the planet to die so that a couple of oil executives and people who work in the wells can support their families? Right. I mean, are you just going to sit in your bunker counting your money while, um, you know, the rest of the planet is on fire? And well, what is and the, the Green New Deal going to do that? about the, the unemployed wildcatters? <laughs> the unemployed wildcat. Well, there's a lot of work that could be done in plugging wells and redeveloping the destroyed land that we have so that we could then support small farmers and develop better farming because also a part of our, our CO2 emissions and, and the, the issues that we're facing are also due to corporate farming and, and a lot of the practices that Monsanto and, and a lot of these conglomerates have have put out because and, and the way that we're even we're we're ranching with our cattle and whatnot, we're we're not engaging in in best practices uh, in terms of restoring Mother Earth, um, and so the Green New Deal puts forth a great number of of. Um, 
ideals, if you will, uh, to convert jobs into a just transition. Okay, I'm a little um, confused here. The Green New Deal <laughs> is tackling fossil fuels. What is carbon emissions, greenhouse gases? What do they have to do with farming? Why are you bringing farming into this? Okay, I, I hope you're comfortable with me saying this word, but farts, David. I, I, uh, <laughs> I, I actually, they're belches, Kelly. As, as a lifelong <laughs> farter, I take a, I take exception to you accusing cow farts of creating greenhouse gases. They're belches. Right, right, yeah, and, it's and the they're belchers, eating. not the farters. <laughs> They're eating corn-based products, which they are not supposed to eat. They're supposed to eat grass. And so it also creates problems in their digestive system. And but and then the fact that we are growing more corn, um, I don't know if I have not fact-checked this, what I'm about to say, but it was true when I knew it to be true, was that McDonald's was actually the number one corn buyer in the United States. And that was for the purpose of feeding the cattle. And, and with, and also the, the corn syrup that we have in our, in our, you know, sugar sweetened beverages that are, you know, that you can upsize very easily, all these things. And, and those, like corn specifically is, is one of the big five that is subsidized through the farm bill. But and you're a railroad commissioner. Why should the railroad commissioner turn Texas into a nanny state and tell McDonald's how to feed its cows? So, yeah, so no, I mean, I think that's like, I'm talking like big picture Green New Deal, right? Uh, Because we all need to be talking about these things. In terms of the Railroad Commission, you know, they, okay, Texas is culpable, is accountable, is responsible for 51% of the venting and flaring of natural gas that's taking place in all of the United States. Texas is accountable for 51% of that. And so, and, and that venting and flaring, what's happening is through the fracking process or hydraulic fracturing, fracking is, is what it's known as, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they are shooting water and chemicals and sand into the shale to break up the earth right. in order to get to the oil. And in that process, that the, the natural gas is emitting, um, they're venting it or, methane. um, to get rid Again, of the methane. Again yes. with the methane. Again with the methane. And we we are fifty one percent of that for all of the United States, and the railroad commission is the one that allows the permits for these companies to do this. Mm-hmm. And so, and in in the year twenty ten, the Texas Railroad Commission permitted five hundred flaring permits beyond the ten day exception. They don't have to get an exception for ten days; they can just light natural gas on fire. But then they have to get an exception to make that happen uh, beyond that. And in, in 2010, the Railroad Commission issued 500 permits. In 2018, hang on for one second. Issued- if you get elected Railroad Commissioner, mm-hmm. my son and his friends could visit Texas, and you can give them a permit to legally light their own farts. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? You know, t- TBH, you don't need a <laughs> permit for that, right? Well, I would assume once, once Bernie and you take over, you're going to need a permit to fart. 
I mean, I, oh my gosh, I can't imagine going through the process of having to get a permit to fart, right? And what, what we're talking about is lighting natural gas and not the kind that comes out of, you know, your, your taco filled body, but the kind that comes out of the earth that's a fossil fuel, right? And the way that they're getting rid of that or trying to get rid of that is they're, they're lighting it on fire or they're just venting it they're allowing it to go into the air in all seriousness why 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 do they flare well it depends on on who you're talking to right the argument uh which is is a an erroneous argument in my opinion is that they do it because they don't have the pipeline capacity if they had the pipeline capacity they could put that natural gas into a pipeline but because they don't well they just gotta light it on fire (laughs) Does I don't that, understand. Aren't they fracking for natural gas or are they fracking? No, for, they're fracking for oil. But sometimes they frack for natural gas. The natural gas is is essentially a byproduct of of digging or fracking, right? Shooting mm-hmm. those those chemicals and all of that water and and the amount of water that is used in causing drought and excess like drying up um our 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 water resources that we have. They're using this water and and some of those chemicals that they put in, they don't even have to declare what the chemicals are because it's considered proprietary information. And so if they declared, it would be giving away secrets, Mm. trade secrets. So they don't even have to tell us what chemicals they're using. And most of this water, and in the state of Texas, in the state of Texas, the wastewater created doesn't have to be reported. But Halliburton invented hydraulic where they perfected fracking and and that special fluid and Dick Cheney mm-hmm. used to run Halliburton so we, we can trust him right he's never lied to us <laughs> yeah no not at all he definitely didn't shoot that guy in the face you know no. unintentionally um no. exactly like we should definitely like you know and that's what i think is so bp um they they they've been advertising about like how they're really helping the planet with what they're doing, right? Okay, so um. let, let me get back to fracking. We are the largest exporter now of yep. oil. We have mm-hmm. energy independence. We don't have to send our soldiers off to the Middle East. No more blood for oil. Isn't the, isn't that a good thing? Do are we not sending our soldiers off to the Middle East? I, th- I thought we we just uh, mobilized several troops. I'm trying to stay in character, Kelly. <laughs> don't, don't, don't make me. <laughs> yes, of course. I mean, and that's. I think that's why, like, the Green New Deal is such. If, can you imagine a world where we weren't dependent on fossil fuels from others or ourselves? Because that's the argument, also, too. People are like, we need we need to pump more pipelines through our aquifers and our drinking water so that we can get that natural gas out to market so that we could sell it. Um, and, and that's one of the things that they're arguing is we we're doing this, um, we're lighting it on fire because we can't put it through your drinking water. 
Right. And it's this forced dichotomy that we're being presented with. But, you know, could could I check, you know, box C or box D or even box G, right? right. Um, that is where we're not dependent on fossil fuels at all. Like, you know, why aren't we using renewable energies? We even have biomethane technologies. Um, and the best way that I describe it is, you know, from back to the future, right? When Doc was like... We, I need more fuel and he's trying to put, you know, the, the rotten banana and he's pouring the last of the beer and he's mm-hmm. doing this. And, and that movie came out in 1985, right? And, the, and it was set in the future and that future, that future where the cars were flying and they were using biomethanes was 2015. Hmm. And so we accepted in, in 1985, we were like, yeah, it's likely that that far in the future, we're probably not really going to be using fossil fuels. Right. <laughs> and here we are. What about, Earth, what about earthquakes? Because I spent a big part of my life living in California. They could never predict when an earthquake was going to happen. And now they're finding that Oklahoma has a rash of earthquakes after fracking. Arkansas is having record numbers of earthquakes, and California is having new earthquakes, all because of fracking. Is that happening in Texas? Are you seeing more earthquakes? Well, yeah, and 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 of note, uh, yeah, the town of Azle, Texas, um, they actually sued on behalf of their own interests because they experienced earthquakes, and never in the history of their geographic location have they experienced earthquakes, and now they are. And Azel didn't have enough money uh, to to fight or to be recognized, and essentially they were squashed. Uh, the town of Denton, they passed their own legislation in order to ban fracking in their community and Greg Abbott and the state legislature said no 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 municipalities you are not allowed to make your own decisions in your own self-interest when it comes to oil and gas no mm. no um, but Oklahoma and Arkansas they're our neighbors we touch them right mm-hmm. we share borders with them and the way that the earth works it's kind of weird it doesn't really recognize when we've drawn these arbitrary borders we just have these plate tectonics that are connected right. <laughs> and um, so Oklahoma due to our fracking in Texas has experienced 6,000 years worth of earthquakes in five years. Wow. Yeah, and and I, I have a data team. So there's some stuff that they're pulling some stuff together. And we had a pretty grim meeting a couple weeks ago when we were looking at some of the charts that they had created um, from analyzing some of this data. And it's it's horrifying what's taking place. And um, but and the railroad commission doesn't take accountability for that. Um, and and we actually to the state of Texas and the railroad commission just announced that they reached yet another record for permits for new wells, for new drilling. Uh, there were over 11,000 permits issued in 2019. Well, okay, um, so, so Texas is pro-choice and pro-kids. In terms of... <laughs> it's, uh, well, they want, I mean, they, they want people to have a choice about everything. In, no, well, not when it comes to women's reproductive rights, but we always want a choice that American people are smart enough to make their own choices when it comes to health care. Right. 
Right. Yeah. Okay, no, so- Texas is ew. Um, our more, our maternal morbidity and mortality rate is, is higher than that. Uh, we have more mothers that die here in Texas than in Botswana. Right. <laughs> um, so the and kids, so, the kids who live in Texas, they have to make mm-hmm. a choice because it's all about choice. What should the, the kids, what should they know to make an informed choice as both a citizen and a consumer when it comes to their own health? You know, um, I guess then the choice that they would be posed with is don't play outside in the summer. Because what does that, that have to do with fracking? What does that have to do with fracking? Childhood asthma. And um, there, there's data that shows that in the next six years, uh, by the year 2025, actually, mm-hmm. our childhood asthma rates, and particularly due to the smog that's created from the air pollution of this, these venting and these these flaring practices, and um, and and our, and so our children, because they're. Their poor lungs, I mean, the respiratory development of children, and I say this too because I had a child who had uh, a respiratory issue in birth. He had meconium aspiration. Mine did too. And, Mine did too. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, so I say, you know, you're full of shit when you were born, right? I've done the same um, jokes because meconium <laughs> is they eat their own poop. It's the first poop. Yeah. yeah. It's they, the first poop. It's the tar-like sticky substance. Right. Yeah, my son. Yeah. So you said so, you, you yeah. did the same joke I did. Okay. <laughs> okay. We are best friends. We are. Um, <laughs> so, so what you know. choice? So again, this is America, and it's choice. So your your son has a little asthma. How does he make an informed choice? He should stay inside, right? Or he can, he can organize, he can vote, and he can strike. <laughs> because that's what our youth are being faced with. And that's where Greta and the Sunrise Movement and these, these, these youth are saying, you guys are forcing us to breathe this air. You're forcing us to have, I mean, one, one of the substances, uh, that is, has the most number of toxins, which although it is still best, is, is breast milk, is a mother's breast milk because of what we are putting into our water and our air and all this stuff. So we've eliminated a lot of the ability for children to make choices. I, I understand what you're saying. Bodies. Kelly Stone, I understand what you're saying. You're running for Texas Railroad Commissioner. But a nanny state, <laughs> a nanny state infantilizes citizens. Aren't you worried that these kind of rules and regulations will infantilize infants? Make them too dependent on the state? I, I feel like you're, you're staying, you know, in character in terms of, you know, like saying nanny state. Cause I'm like, oh my gosh, are you serious? It's, it's not me, us. Right? I, I, um, I know. It's, I, and, we have to look collectivistically um, at how we 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 govern our society and how we speak up and how we empower um, our citizens and and we have a lot of individualism particularly in Texas um, but we it, it's it's such a narrow lens to cons- to to be pull yourself up from your bootstraps you know what if you don't have boots 
you know and um yes. it's it's i'm i'm really passionate about this i've been i've taught at the college level for a really long time and in texas and so i've absolutely had lots of students that you know they assume that homelessness is is a choice and right. um there's a lot of these things and and i think and i know that it is much easier to govern a society that is sick that is uneducated and that is afraid uh it's really hard to to govern or control people who are confident who are healthy who are educated and the 60s and so have, prove that that was what the 60s showed us yeah that was the most that was one of the healthiest generations that took to the streets one of the wealthiest generations that took to the street and that's what they learned that's what the Powell memo taught us is don't let the kids grow up in solid middle class families because they'll ask for more. Right. And, and the Powell memo said, you know, corporations unite. <laughs> um, and, and that's where we are. And, and the corporation is bigger than the government. And, and here we are. We, we cater to these, these big money interests. And in, okay. So my name is Kelly Stone, right? And, and, um, I'm, I'm not afraid to, to play on the whole, you know, stone. Um, as I say, this is I, I do believe in the decriminalization of marijuana and hemp products. Because there's so many opportunities that that we have with with this this plant. Uh, in 1938, he later presented it in 1941 at a car show. But Ford invented a car that was called the biomass car, and it ran on hemp oil and hemp fuel. Really. Yes. And we had this technology. We had this technology then. Uh, but we but didn't at the have time, enough Doritos. We did not have all the palm oil. You're right. No, the Doritos um, that you need to. So go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm no. Yeah, I uh, should mention that Kelly is also a comedian. I yeah. I just and, and that's just where I'm like. I'm, but this is serious. I know. Uh, I know. <laughs> uh, but and, and granted, I absolutely use humor, and I think it's important because it allows people to to let down some barriers mm-hmm. in 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 allowing in new information. Right. Sometimes, if you can make people laugh, they're like, "Oh, I, I feel like I can trust you a little bit more with what you're saying to me." You know, yeah. like Trump. And, uh, Trump is hysterical. Exactly. Look how. <laughs> So you're you're pro hemp. You think that we should be growing hemp in Texas? Absolutely, because we could be using it to, in terms of even uh, reducing our fossil fuel consumption, right? Right. Um, But Henry, uh, I'm sorry, not Henry. uh, That was the that was the guy that invented the 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 biomass car, Ford. Um, But William Randolph Hearst Mm -hmm. at the time, he was a huge proponent in the lumber industry, and so he lobbied for the criminalization of marijuana because he was trying to get rid of an opponent or a competitor, right? And that's Mm -hmm. what capitalism can do for us is it limits our choice um, in favor of those who have more money than us and and so and we've had that and that's why in texas too we have such we don't have mass transit we don't have light rail you know it's it's 
it's not easy to get from Dallas to Houston, right? Where you should be able to just hop on a train, no big deal. Um, and we don't have that because we have over many, many years incentivized the use of consuming our own personal oil and our own personal gas through, they wanted us to all have individual cars. And, and, and we, we are reaping a lot of repercussions of many Many of those choices and, and Greta and the Sunrise Movement and a lot of these young folks, you know, they're, they're time's up. Yeah. <laughs> time's up. Well, you, you have to talk about religion because I remember the great governor Rick Perry. There was a drought a few years back when he was governor and he held a rally in a stadium. I don't remember the stadium, but it was we have to pray for rain. And the drought lasted three more months. Do you think instead of a Green New Deal, people in Texas should just get better at praying? Isn't that the problem? That they're not praying you hard know, enough? You're right. Um, they but, are not. They're really bad Christians. Um, <laughs> no. Um, but that is the excuse they give, isn't it? Don't they say that? Or it's not that the it, oil it's companies. A it's, from God. I'm sorry. This is what God wanted. They say that this is this is this is God's will, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that we are being punished because, like, there, there's arguments of that. That the reason that we're having these cataclysmic events and um, you know 500 year floods happening in over the course of three years, you know, uh, like all these different um, natural disasters, there are the arguments, and and I too, I. I dated the Baptist pastor's son for four and a half years from eighth grade through 12th grade. And so I've sat in the rooms where we're very much told that this, this is, this is what God wants. And, um, and, and we are all going to go home soon. We would be, we'll be raptured. <laughs> and by we, I mean past tense, cause I'm definitely not in that group of people that think that I'm getting an easy out from any of this. <laughs> right. Right. Um, Waco, Texas. I mean, we're talking about ground zero for apocalyptic death cults. I mean, Texas has spawned some bizarre ideas about where the planet should be heading. And the idea of the rapture and all that stuff, that's American. That, that comes from America, the idea that we should welcome the apocalypse. <laughs> Oh man. Yeah, we had a, we had a big tent revival when I was in high school and, um, our pastor did a story or did a, a sermon, if you will, uh, about he had calculated, even though the Bible says no one can calculate the day, right? And the, the hour, but somehow he had done the math and he had calculated that 1996, um, was the year Is this that, um, no. <laughs> this was Belmar Baptist Church on Airline Drive in Houston, Texas. And um and he had calculated that 1996 was the year that the Lord was going to return. And I remember sitting there dutifully on the second pew thinking, "Oh my god, I'm going to miss my prom." <laughs> <laughs> or you'll have a date. And that's where I was kind of like, hey, Kelly, maybe you're not buying all this so much. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe you're having your own questions, right? Uh- <laughs> it's a great way to scare. It's a great way to scare voters. You, you talk about wanting voters to be weak, frightened, sick. 
That's what religion does. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That's what religion does. And our founding fathers knew that. It, it, there's so much, there's so much power behind the pulpit and they have all this power and they don't pay taxes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think to get back to your, what you were saying is that, you know, they're not praying hard enough for rain or, yeah. um, there is something and, and I took when I was in graduate school, uh, my, my degree is in health education, which is why I look at a lot of this through a health and wellness lens and, and what we know in, in health is that, um, Prevention is cheaper than treatment. Mm -hmm. So what if we just stopped fracking? (laughs) Then we wouldn't have to be dealing with the burning of the natural gas or the pipelines and all this. But Well, um, let me answer that. It's it's cheaper, but there's money to be made in treatment. Bank Capital, for example, private equity firm run by Mitt Romney, they're now in the treatment business. They treat drug addiction. And they're making a fortune off it. So no, the, the, it's cheaper to, to stop the problem, but treatment is where the money is for the private sector. I mean, when Reagan was in office, his whole first four years, he never said HIV or AIDS. He never said those words while we were in a crisis. And it was calculated. There's a great movie and the band played on that yeah. shows how the CDC, you know, did the cluster study and we're trying to track, you know, um, you know, case, case zero or case one, you know, and, um, and he actually Twitter- said he thought. He said privately in the Katie Kelly book that she wrote about him that he thought AIDS was God's retribution for sinners. Right, right. And but at the time, I think it was an investment of a matter of cents mm-hmm. um, per person that we could have had to help prevent this epidemic, this pandemic that spread. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, you're right. Prevention is cheaper than treatment, but there's so much money to be made in treatment and like look right. at physical therapy and look at all these different things. Um, but th- we know that we know that. And but there's a lot of people that they want to sit in their bunkers counting their money while the earth is on fire. Okay. And <laughs> so how often can you do my show? As often as you want me to okay, until so. I win. Well, okay. So let's book you for next week. Howie Klein <laughs> told me you were going to. So let me introduce you. You're, you're an educator, a comedian. You're a single mother. How long have you been doing comedy? Oh, I started uh, in the year 2006 okay. uh, at Helium Comedy Club in Philadelphia. Uh-huh. Uh, so 13 years, 13, 13 years. years. And you are a teacher? So I I taught um, at the university level also since 2006, the first time anybody trusted me with my own college classes. And, <laughs> the uh, same I semester. may not have been paying enough attention to you. I was trying to be funny. To impress, uh-huh. to impress you, which is not the way to impress somebody, but I'm human. What do you have your, what is your expertise that you teach? Okay. That's a, it's a great question. And I actually, I'm no longer in the classroom. Uh, and there's, there's a story coming out about it this week, but I, um, I was targeted by a, a right wing extremist group, um, for being quote unquote too liberal. And the university ended up siding with them and did not renew my teaching contract. And that's actually what was the impetus for me saying, well, maybe I'm doing something right if people are noticing that I'm liberal. Maybe okay. I need to take that 
to a statewide level. Okay, hang on for one second. <laughs> Let me give out your website, and people need to donate money to you. Go to votekstone.com, vote, the letter K, stone.com, and give Kelly money so she can be the Democratic nominee for Texas Railroad Commission, or, and you don't accept money from oil executives, right? Well, or you, there's a limit. Fuel. You only take like 250 bucks. How does that work? That's a great question because so far, like, and, and full transparency, because I definitely believe in transparency. I received one contribution from a woman who is not an oil and gas executive, but she works low level in oil and gas. And she reached out and was like, I really believe in what you're doing and I absolutely want to help you, but I'm afraid of giving you money because I don't want you to look dirty um well er. and um uh, but she um and and i don't say that politically but just you know i've done comedy for 13 years i've obviously had some lived experience Mm -hmm. um but she um so that is i have i received a 250 contribution from a woman who paddles the 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 river she's a canoeist but she didn't you win some texas water safari well, I did not win, <laughs> but um, I this year I became the eighth woman uh, in the history of that race, which is known as the world's toughest canoe race, uh, to finish in a C1 boat, which is a type of canoe that does not have a rudder. So the only way that you can steer is with your paddle. And um, I broke that boat in half at the 57 mile mark. Uh, the race itself is 262 miles. And I wrapped it like a taco around a log. <laughs> and um, so it took me about four hours to reconstruct it with sticks and tape and zip ties. And I had a tiny bottle of Gorilla Glue. Hey. And I finished. I was finished the, the race. Was the little man in hours. the boat okay? Little old man. The little man in the boat, was he okay? It's a bad what are you joke. talking about? It's a <laughs> joke. I'm sorry. I'm just I'm desperately trying to impress you. Yeah, I, the hand not, that rocks the cradle should okay. also rock the boat. Okay. <laughs> Kelly Stone, everybody needs to go to votekstone.com. She is endorsed by Howie Klein. So my listeners know that if Howie Klein endorses Kelly Stone, then you all have to support her if you live in the United States. If you don't live in right, the United States. Right, we cannot take foreign money. You cannot take foreign money. Uh, wasn't Lev Parnas arrested? In Texas, trying to give foreign money to that guy Sessions, who was running for Congress. Oh gosh, I don't know. Yeah. I, I I don't know. Again, I'm just trying to impress you. All right, uh, <laughs> my last question, just to double check: Bernie Sanders. And a question mark, like, do I love him? Do I think he's amazing? Yes. Is that, is that your, yeah, I mean, oh my gosh, like he, he has stayed the course, right? Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, um, because I found myself, you know, drawing unemployment after the university didn't renew my teaching contract. And that's when I was like, should I run for office? Can, can you do that on unemployment? Mm-hmm. And Bernie Sanders, when he first ran for office, I believe it was 1974, he was on unemployment the very first time he ran for office. And so I was like, I think I'm in good company. And, and, and how do you compare him? To the rest of the candidates, um, he 
he's he's not a corporatist right he is the one he's he's the one uh, <laughs> uh but mayor pete speaks seven different languages Oh, sweet, sweet, sweet Mayor Pete and his all his all his money that he's getting and him trying to talk in that black church. And Mm -hmm. it was like, Mayor Pete, no, sir. And oh, he um, he's he's a moderate. He's a centrist. And 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 what's really stinks about that is. Reagan scared the crap out of, out of Democrats, right? And mm-hmm. so, and as we've had more extremism and more people pulling to the right, it also is pulling the Democrats to the right. And, and he, he's, he's over there. He's right. over there. But aren't you concerned about Bernie? I, I, I believe in 1975, he once said that poor white people unable to find work are almost like black slaves before the Civil War. How can you vote for a man who said that in 1975 or 1972? How can you vote for this guy? I think that what he's saying, and and I don't, <laughs> don't know even dig that. Don't even dig it's, don't, don't. it's inequality. You're discussing inequality, right? And and we have vast inequality. We've got about 400 people in our whole country that hold half of the wealth of our country. 400 people, you know. Um, Bernie honeymooned in in Russia. Do you want a president taking his orders from from the Russians? Oh my gosh. Somebody went on a vacation. Oh, they must have been like, you know, they must have been recruited for the KGB when, when they were on their honeymoon. We're going to end up with the president getting all his orders from Vladimir Putin. Is that what you want? Oh, I mean, is that? Wait, one, we know that's not true for Bernie. <laughs> Two, isn't that the world that we currently live in? <sighs> uh, all right, so can you do the show? He, he sure like, likes bad guys. All right, so you're gonna, so you'll be a regular on the show until you get sick of me. I would, I would love. No, I would love that. No, you're, you're, um, your accent is so amazing. My accent. <laughs> Yes, and I'm sure that I I come off you know as like a what Texas is my gal. accent? I I don't have an accent. Um, a northeastern Jewish. I don't. Um. <laughs> I, really? Because I'm I'm Episcopalian. Oh well, you know. Uh, I, I used to I used to work for Jewish Family and Children's Services, and um, oh, and, 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 and wouldn't that be great? People are like Bernie's white, right? But mm-hmm. can we please acknowledge that he's Jewish, and we've never had a Jewish president? Um, and in a week, we're trying to shift the focus from Iowa. Trump is implementing even more, you know, uh, like bans for travel to other countries. Can I let you in on a little secret. Yes. Dwight David Eisenhower. Jewish. Are you serious? David, middle name David. Eisenhower, had he shortened it, it would have been Eisen. Ike, they used to call him Ike. I don't want to go there, but, you know, that's my theory. I'm, I'm not, he wasn't Jewish. But, uh, <laughs> okay, that's where I was like, I don't, I don't know that. Um, we got in trouble. Okay, so you said we used to play Eisenhower in high school, um, and I, I went to Aldine High School in Houston, He's Texas. From Abilene, where, isn't it? Wasn't he from Abilene? 
Um, maybe, but I mean, we had a high school that was named Eisenhower that we played. They were in our playing district. And for one of the football games, we painted us. I was a cheerleader. I was a varsity cheerleader. And I also was a JV football player. And we can talk about that on another show, but we, uh, um, painted football a sign. team or a female? No, no. Um, wait, wait, wait. you played, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on for one second. <laughs> you played men's football? I did, I did. Um and by that I was the kicker. Um oh. <laughs> I am I'm five foot three quarter inches. I was not a linebacker or a lineman or a center, any of that stuff, but I had a really good foot. I was a four year varsity soccer player and um I beat out other guys. I tried out and I made the team. And wow. I challenged Title Nine in the nineties. Wow. <laughs> So there must be story after story about you. I mean, you must have made the nightly news. No, I mean, just like some small newspapers. It was real interesting. Um, but I do. I've got I've got old newspaper articles that kind of are gross in, in reading them, because one of the articles I was looking at it recently, um, they they interviewed my boyfriend and wanted to know about his his thoughts on on letting me play. Wow. Howie, you know, Howie Klein is the most incredible human being on the planet. You know, he ran Reprise Records, Warner Records. You know about his background, right? I'm learning more every day. But, yes, he was he was like a, a vice president or a president he of ran, the Warner he, Brothers. He ran like Sinatra's label. record label. I mean, the guy has this whole history in the in the music business. He brought The Clash to America. He was best friends with the Ramones. Yeah, father of punk rock is yeah, or yeah. punk radio. I mean, yeah, yeah. And everybody he says he books my show essentially. He says you gotta have this person on the show. And he has never failed to get me. Everybody he says I have to have on the show is incredible. And you you know, he's batting a thousand I'm just marveling right now at Howie Klein. It's just incredible. He never misses. Like I'm, my jaw is dropping at how great you are. It's Aww. unbelievable. <laughs> it's unbelievable. But it says more about Howie Klein than it does you. It's just you're not kidding. You're, you're phenomenal. You have a great website and uh, vote Kelly Stone. Give this woman your money if you live in America and join the resistance. She is right on all the issues. We've been talking with Kelly Stone. She's running for Railroad Commissioner of Texas. And, you know, this is why I love doing this show, because if you told me that I would be asking someone who is running for Railroad Commissioner of Texas to be a regular on my show, I'd say you're out of your mind. March 3rd is the primary. Everybody needs to go to votecasestone.com. Give her money. Tell your your friends and family who live in Texas to, to vote for Kelly K. Stone for Railroad Commissioner. I'm going to put you in touch with my friend Laura House, who is from Texas. And let's see if we can't awesome. get her. Yeah, she's a great writer and comedian. Do you know Laura House? I don't. Oh, we're, okay, this um, is going to be good. I don't think I do. Oh, she's from Texas. What, she's great. Do you know where she's based? Uh, well, she lives in, in Los Angeles now, but oh, okay. we're going to, we're going to, this is great. How do people follow you on Twitter? So our Twitter is the only one that is not. Uh, it's at Team K Stone Twenty Twenty.
2020. Say that again, uh, I deleted please. my Twitter. Say that <laughs> it's again. At t- Team K Stone 2020. Team K Stone at 2020. So Mike Cernovich can't go through your other Twitter account, I assume. So I had a comedian one, um, uh-huh. you know, you write one liners, you play at midnight, all that stuff. And uh, I reached a point where I deleted my Twitter because I was so sick of what they're perpetuating with Trump and what they're fostering. And I was like, I don't want to play in that sandbox. Yeah. And so I deleted my entire Twitter. And then as a part of the campaign, my team is like, no, K-Stone, you have to have a Twitter. So they made that Twitter for me, um, Team K-Stone 2020. Uh, but now I I. I, I I play along. I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> uh, we also have an Instagram, uh, and we're at Vote K Stone, and the same on Facebook. We're uh, at Vote K Stone. So basically, that's our branding throughout. Okay. Stay on the line. God bless Howie Klein. Unbelievable. <laughs> Stay on the line. We'll talk to you next week. Stay on the line for one second. You're listening to The David Feldman Show. You happy, self-actualized hump. Let us now go to New Hampshire, where Citizen Bacon is standing by. He is back from Washington, D.C., where he has been covering the impeachment of Donald J. Trump exclusively for The David Feldman Show. Welcome, Citizen Bacon. Oh, thank you, David Feldman. Yes, I am happy to be uh, back in New Hampshire. Well, you were in D.C. I was in D.C. We both had a similar. I'm sorry. Yes, correct. We both were. We did not overlap, though. Yeah, I, we didn't run into each other. Well, I was I, okay. I was going to make let, let me state up front that I owe you an apology, and, and we'll, then we'll get back into character. But a lot of people, a lot, wrote in saying that I crossed a line with you, and I listened to the show, and I did. And I'll get back into character, and I'll insult you, and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> But I I was very stressed out when we recorded Tuesday's show. I had to get to Washington, D.C., and uh, for some reason, I played with you as though you were one of the comedians or comedy writers that I'm used to messing around with. And I crossed a line several times, and you took it. You know, you weren't upset by it, but uh, some of my listeners were. And so I I think I crossed the line with you, and I apologize. Well, you probably felt like, you know, because you actually had to be paying some money for me to be in D.C., that maybe you could be a little harsher or whatever. No, but hey, I apologize, too, but it was all fun. Well, you apologize, too. You didn't do it. I, let me – wait a second – you are, you, you want my show. This, like, I apologize to you and you figure, you know what? Uh, I should apologize to Feldman because I want to be David Feldman. Can you just let me? Keep... No, what? You don't hey, have to apologize. I mean, you don't have to apologize. Hey. Well, you know. 
No, no, I was the bad guy in this, okay? And you were the good guy, okay? I don't know, maybe, maybe not. I, I don't but, like this, because I feel, you again, you're trying to steal my thunder. I, I thought I started this segment by being magnanimous and showing a vulnerable side that I that I made a mistake and I'm apologizing and now you're cutting me off at the knees and you're saying, Hey, I'm magnanimous too. I'm apologizing. I can't trust you, Bacon. It just seems like the the nice thing to do. That's how you paint it, but what you're doing but, is you're painting I, me as no, you know, your you run of the mill what? What? That's how you take you're just taking things that way, you know. It's all about how the individual, you know, the, the things, all kinds of things can come at you, but yeah, you, you can take them and respond to them however you want to. How you choose to respond to me is that's up to you. Okay. But you know, I'm, Ken, I'm sorry. Okay. In, in the dynamic, there's high status, low status, right? I'm high status. I'm the host. It's no bless oblige. There doesn't always have to be. There doesn't always have to be that that. that mm. yeah, okay, and that's you again. You being Mister Galitarian, Kumbaya. We're all equal. The fact right. that no, that sounds Bernieish to me too. I have to say no. There's high status yeah, and yeah, low status. Yeah, you're, uh, you're definitely Republican to me, and that's you know that's awfully. Oh. I don't know. Jesus Christ. But, no. Stop breathing into the phone. You're breathing. You're breathing. I know. Okay. Okay. It's my low status phone. All right. Let me finish my thought before you interrupt me, okay? Okay? Oh, you... If I say okay, I'm interrupting you. No, you bastard. You know what? I don't think I was mean enough to you. That sounds about like you. All right. We that sent... sounds more like you. We sent Citizen Bacon to Washington, D.C., you, yeah, I'm not violating a trust here. We talked afterwards, your, after your first day there, and you were kind of shaken up by the experience. And I was impatient with your, uh, attitude. I thought, come on, just, you know, walk it off. It's, <laughs> and then I got there and I got really, uh, I would say, one point I got really depressed and broken. My spirit broke by the same thing. Nobody was taking to the streets. Yeah. And yeah. I felt I was looking at a Roman ruin. I looked at the Capitol and I thought, <laughs> you know what? In a hundred years, yeah, they'll yeah. be giving tours and it's they'll be cold city too. They'll be saying, this is where American democracy once took place. Uh, yeah. What was your reaction when you first got there? Yeah, I mean, of, yeah, of course, the same sort of thing. I, I I was so dismayed at how nothing was going. You know, again, I thought right away when I saw the the, the protest about the Indian thing, like which we don't uh, we tape in the future. But I, I had a little uh, hope of stuff. And then when I got to the Capitol and the White House and said there was just nothing, nothing about the impeachment. Nothing, no one was pro. There was nothing going on until the end. Until the end. And finally there was. But at the beginning I thought it was just, it was just dismal. And then going in and seeing the impeachment and just hearing, uh, you know, the, the stuff and just seeing the senators and it was just like, no one freaking cares. This is ridiculous. When you say there um, was, 
some protests, it, but, but not a lot. No, the, the first two days I was there, I saw like four people. Mm-hmm. And then the third day, when I left Wednesday, there was a big protest that day. So that was amazing. And that rejuvenated my hope and, and all that. I saw all kinds of people, you know, kind of my tribe was there. But so they weren't great. taking up all the space there. I mean, it was it was still pretty empty. It wasn't like the Women's March. It wasn't insane. I, I granted it should be so much bigger, without a doubt. Why oh, isn't it? Doubt. Why isn't it? Uh, again, I don't think anyone's present. What do you mean? I don't think. I think uh, no one is. Uh, no one's awake. No one's alive. People think it's preordained. People don't care. People are doing other things. People are caught up in whatever. Oh, what, I, maybe the Super Bowl just happened. I think. Uh, you know, maybe that was, there's always, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. We take it all for granted. We take it all for granted. Well, walking around the Russell, walking around the Russell building, that's where the senators have yep. their offices. You can go through several, me- you go through several metal detectors. And once you're harmless, you can meet your senator or at least sit yeah. in the waiting room yeah, what, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did it, What did it feel like walking around and seeing Senate staffers? And did you get a sense that the business of government was being conducted, or was there some other agenda? Uh, um, it was. It was. So I walked around the Senate building. I went to. I went to all the 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 not all. When I went to the majority of the the actual into the offices and stuff. That was Monday. So there was not a lot going on, and that was Monday morning. So at first it seemed like, a, you know, like, wow, there's not a lot going on. But you could go right in, you could talk to everyone. It was interesting how, you know, like all the um, interns, it's just young freaking, they're just kids. They're all, you know, they're all intern kids working in the thing. Um and, but, you know, all the senators were, 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 you know, you couldn't like access them and stuff, but you could leave your, I could leave my card and info and, you know, get the cards or the press people to contact them and stuff. And, and then like by Tuesday and then into Wednesday, I started to actually see other people like coming. I guess Monday I did, I, I ran into some uh, people from, um, uh, Embassy International. Mm-hmm. So, I, but they were in the hallway, um, and I interviewed them and stuff. But we'll have that at some later date. Um, but then, you know, it wasn't until Tuesday or Wednesday where I actually saw like people going into the um, uh, senators and talking to them and stuff, you know, randomly. And then the, the, I saw, I guess it was Tuesday at noon. There's this group called Swarm the Capitol, and they've been going since uh, a few weeks now, maybe three or four weeks. Uh, and they do a they do a, like a silent protest every 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 day at noon at under, under by that Calder that giant Calder statue which is in the atrium or whatever in one of those I don't know if it's Russell or there's like three buildings there all the time a, a silent protest well they all have shirts because they know they know how to pull, they you know it's like a uh, so the shirts will say like Trump is guilty and they'll be wearing black shirts they might write stuff on their hands. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just do, and then that was the thing that was Wednesday was was how many giant, how many in the swarm? Okay, so like on 
Tuesday, there was like, I say 30 people. I interview someone, she'll say 50. But I, I, can, I can, there's 30 people there. But then on that's Wednesday. Not a, that's when, not a swarm. That's like a bee sting. Yeah, yeah. But then by Wednesday, when they had a whole band, I think there was hundreds of people inside run, running around the thing, which was awesome. And that's when they, like, met up with um, Dr. Reverend Barber and stuff, and he marched on the thing. Who is or, he? You know, who is he? He's the guy who's sort of taking up, um, uh, doc, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s, um, uh, uh, what was that, uh, poor, uh, uh, poor People's March. The Poor People's uh, Campaign. Well, you should call it, the, like, call it the Poor People's Thing. Like the way you call the David Feldman thing. What did you call my podcast? The David Feldman it's, thing. It's the David Feldman show podcast thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, call it the poor people's thing. The poor people's campaign thing. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Did you get a sense yeah. when you looked at the young kids, the staffers, uh -huh. that they were there to do good? I would assume they're there to get ahead. Yeah, that was the vibe I got. This was all about resume building. Oh, how could it not be? Well, there's no other reason. I mean, it, and it's, you know, I'll tell you, the other thing that was very noticeable is there's a lot, and, 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 I, and I don't mean this in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, in those staffers, because they were all behind desks and I did not see them. But the, <laughs> walking the hallways, there is a lot, uh, I mean, the, 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 you really see the dichotomy between like male and female because like, the women are wearing like, like it's morning time and it's freaking like giant high heel, you know, mm -hmm. legs, and and then it's like dudes in suits, and you're just like, I don't know, it's just it's just all wrong. It's just all wrong. This is what I but, noticed. This is what I noticed. The men are all fat, <laughs> and there's a combination of very tall and short men walking together. It looks. Like, it's disgruntled, ill-fitting suits. It looks like a, a comedy writing room with the guys. The women are, as you say, much, you know, uh, tend to, well, women in general tend to pay more attention to their clothes. And then there is the adventurous young man staffer. I saw hundreds of them in these four-year-old Banana Republic suits that are tight the the coats are too high they 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 that was in style it's like the jared kushner look and that really seems dated it's this banana republic suit look that i think two years ago was stylish and now it looks like a nehru jacket they are unhealthy. Yeah. They, there are a lot of unhealthy people walking around the Capitol. And I ate in the cafeteria. They have several cafeterias. Have you eaten there? Did you stop? I walked through some of the cafeterias. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, I, I saw a lot of, I saw a lot of very fit people. You know, yeah. the younger crowd of people just in general seemed pretty fit. Well, I the mean, food, the food isn't that. the, the food isn't the healthiest in the Capitol. A lot of fried stuff. They did have a Impossible Burger. Mm. Uh, did you get your hair done at the uh, cap? At the cap, you can get your hair done at the I, bottom I, there. Just the tips. I got the tips done uh, and a blowout. Okay. You know me. Frosted the tips. Yeah. 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 Uh, 
It is interesting. You could spend a lot of time as a reporter in the Capitol. It's kind of like the Smithsonian. You know, it's free to get in. There's some historic stuff to see. I saw the Kennedy, oh, yeah. the Kennedy Caucus room is amazing. It's in the Russell Building. I walked in. I said, this looks familiar. It It's where mm-hmm. Clarence Thomas's hearings were held, the Watergate hearings, Contragate, the Army right, McCarthy right, right, right. hearings. They were all inside the Kennedy Caucus Building. Very small. But right. uh, I mean, this this is historic. That that was cool to s- step foot in there. Right. I you know, yeah, I thought it would be cool to do a picture book of the different like. It's interesting. Each 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 senators and I did not go into the house thing at all. You know, I did not go over to the opposite side and and go to any of the house people. But it was interesting just to see the senator things like each. You walk into that one room, you know, you have access to like the front room and then there's different doors depending on who it is. But each one is totally designed in a different way. Yeah. Here's something really interesting. How deep they are, how big, you know, everything like that. Here's something really interesting. So you walk around the Russell building and you see Lindsey Graham's office and then you see Ted Cruz's office and it has the seal from the state, the state seal and the name of the, the senator and you get your picture taken in front of the door, right? Well, I thought, sure. why not get my picture taken in front of Senator Mike Crapo's office? You know that there's a Republican uh, senator named Mike Crapo, C-R-A-P-O? Sure. Okay. I look him up in the directory. Right. And it's, you know, room 239 or whatever. And we walked over to room 239 because I wanted to be photographed in front of Mike Crapo's office, and right. there is no sign for Mike Crapo's ah. office. And Did someone f- stole it? No, I realized that somebody other than David Feldman wanted to get their picture taken in front of Mike Crapo's office. Right. That that's the only re- he's the only senator who is yeah. sub Rosa. He's hiding from the American people because. Every idiot tourist who comes to Washington, D.C. wants to be photographed in front of Senator Mike Crapo's Did you notice, like, did you go to, like, Rand Paul's office? Yeah, they won't let you in. You have to make an appointment. Yeah, yeah, there's a freaking, the door is closed. There's a notice on the thing. I think there was two or three senators that had that, and he was one of them. Yeah, I think he had trouble with his neighbor. Uh, Well, I know, yeah, right it is. Are you the lawnmower guy thing? Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah. And plus, you know, Rand yeah. is a libertarian, and he thinks government should leave the people alone, and the people should leave the government alone. <laughs> yeah. So exactly. there you go. Uh, right. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, I have to say, it was simultaneously horrifying and uh, patriotic at the same time because it still is the people's house. All you have to do, all you have to do is show up. And unfortunately, the people who are showing up are the lobbyists. I mean, in the in the Kennedy caucus room. Oh, yeah. You can rent the Kennedy caucus room out. And we were there for a week. And every night the lobbyists were renting out the Kennedy caucus room and the alcohol is free. So if you're a Senate staffer or a senator, you can show up, have a few pops. There's food. And then next thing you know, you're voting for, you know, tobacco subsidies. Of course. 
it's our house. You just have to, you know, but they, they wear you down. They make us work 16 hour days and it's expensive. You know, going to Washington DC is expensive. The only people who can afford to go are the lobbyists. So, right. Well, the, the longer the bureaucracy exists, then the, 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 all the ways are found out how to, uh, to, to, you know, get in and do, do your stuff. So what did you learn going into it? Like coming, coming home, what, what did you not know about Washington that you now know? Oh, uh, I don't know that I learned anything in, in that regard. I mean, there were things that were interesting, um, I mean, it was, you know, I did end up getting that good pass from my Senator Maggie Hassan. So mm-hmm. I got to watch, uh, I guess it would have been Tuesday. I watched the whole, you know, from one o'clock to till they went to the break and then a little into the next thing. I watched that whole thing. So I saw both of the, uh, you know, Trump, uh, lawyer guys do their, you know, stuff. Oh, you but got I into the I gallery. Did- yeah, I sat there for the whole, I got, I mean, I, yeah, for, I was there for an hour and 45 minutes. It was amazing. Wow. So I got to see, um, Elizabeth Warren talk to her neighbor, who is the guy from Connecticut, and she, like, made, co- she made comments why at one point, like, you know, like, you know, what is this ridiculous, you know, I'm, obviously I don't know what she said, but it's like, what is this ridiculous lawyer guy talking about? You know, you, she was like, ah. Um, and then I got to see, like, um, at the end, during break, um, I mean, now it doesn't matter because we all know what happened, but Elizabeth Collins came over to the, um, Democratic lawyers table and talked to, like, the number two guy. And, you know, that probably wasn't on the thing. Um, and I saw the, like, Republican dude, like, Mitch was talking to some guy right before, you know, during the break thing. And, um, different people got it, like, Bernie's, like, kind of relaxed, um, you know, I watched all the people who I've, like, met, you know, so, like, you know, Cory Booker put his glasses on, like, once. He didn't really do much. Kamala Harris, who I never met, like, she had her arms folded a bunch. You know, it's just seeming like, hey, what, you know, you're just wasting our time. Elizabeth Warren seemed to be doing work and getting stuff done, um, or at least look to be looking that way. Um, Bennett, I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't see his seat, but I saw him come in. He was one of the earlier people to come in. Um... So that that was all fascinating, and I believe I don't know for sure, but you know, because they because the the, the the whatever you're called the gallery or whatever, it's all divided up into different like little sections. So when I first got in with the like cheesy pass, you're oh you're sitting on the Republican side, which kind of you, yeah you get a different feel. Mm-hmm. But when you come in from your senator, when you get your pass from your senator, you actually sit on their side. So this time I was sitting on the Democrat side. Right. And then, like, the people next to me, there was, like, a little, there was, like, a small little section. I was like, wow, what is this? These look like an interesting group of people. So uh, this lady was sitting next to me, but there was, like, a bar. And it was like, oh, she's from Switzerland. This is the the diplomatic section. Oh, how cool. So, obviously, the senators know that, too, from their perspective. So, anyway, so at some point, like, different senators, like, you could, you know, I'm I'm just watching the people. Because I can see Warren and I can see... uh, Corey the whole time, and both of them at some point like look up towards me and like kind of like are almost aghast, like they may have actually recognized oh, me that's from great. seeing me so many times in New Hampshire. I think, but I of course don't know that for sure. That's fantastic. Well, would you go back to Washington? 
Yeah, there's parts of me. I mean, I really liked. Um, what, what about you and I making a trip? We interview a senator, but we fight in front of him. Like we just. <laughs> would you do that? Like, with we me? Do, like we do on here. Yeah, but like you start asking a question and I just get menaced by your presumptive tone and I fixate on you and the senator just gets up and leaves. That would be a funny bit, wouldn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously we'd have to have some sort of act or something, but yeah, yeah, it would all be good. Yeah, I love it. I mean, it was great. The, the, the place that you put me up on was was really nice. They, I mean, I did not partake, but they had like free wine in the afternoon. You know, they didn't give me breakfast, but they had free coffee in the morning and stuff. But the wine thing was bizarre. Um, you you didn't partake uh, in the wine. I, I don't really drink wine. Ah. Okay. No. All right. When we're off the air, you'll tell me how the wine was. <laughs> All right, Bacon. Very good. Mm -hmm. Let's play your clips. I have two, and then we're going to go long on... Friday's show, but this is jam-packed, so I, I... Sure thing, whatever you want to do. And by the way, John Delaney dropped out on the day we ran your interview with him. I know, the timing was perfect, because you kept saying, like, is he is he still in? Is he in? Is this guy in the thing? And then we play it, and then he's out. That was, I loved it. Okay, how did you... you know, I'm going to say, how did you... My, like, so, so I just saw, I just went to a thing the other day, and it was, uh, what's his name, uh, Deval Patrick he's been up here and I was like I got back and, and I like went to a thing and I get in the audience and I'm like no, oh, you know like they said about doing an interview and I'm like looking at the audience and there's like 20 people there two people in the audience are people who have, I've interviewed at other events and still haven't even had time to put them on the air right. and I'm like what am I wasting my time at this freaking thing I don't care about Deval Patrick I've already interviewed people with this thing I'm I'm just going up so I did not even stay for that that freaking okay. thing but anyway, so Kevin McCarthy is the House Minority Leader from California. How did you hook yeah. up with him? So I'm about ninety percent positive that is who this gentleman is. <laughs> so this is well, because so, this is this is the guy who who I ran into in that like little secret zone I wasn't supposed to be into that I got kicked out of, where you know the people come off those little cars. Yeah. So, you know, and again, this dude gets swore. I, you know, I, I walked into that room and I, I see these, you know, 40 or 50 uh, reporters in the room and then a bunch of people swarm this guy so that I get him in there too. And, um, you know, he's going to that little elevator thing and the, 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 the reporter person gets in some questions and I make some comments and then they close the door and then the reporter lady calls me out and then the police come and they escort me out of the room and stuff. Wow. So I, I, I was looking at photos because I, I didn't know who it was. So I looked at, you know, you can just Google all their freaking faces and stuff. And I looked through all the senators. And I'm like, God, it doesn't look like one of, I mean, I know I'll recognize him. I burned, you know. He's, but Kevin McCarthy, he's, Kevin McCarthy is a congressman. Right, exactly. Um, but since he's the House Minority Leader, it makes sense he was there, I guess. I'm pretty sure it's him, but maybe from the voice people, maybe someone will go, no, that's, you know, so-and-so. But okay. I'm pretty sure that's who this is. Okay. This is uh, Citizen Bacon talking with Congressman Kevin McCarthy. Maybe, Kinda, yeah. maybe Senator Eugene McCarthy. <laughs> maybe <laughs> Senator Joe McCarthy. <laughs> Yeah, it could be that doll. Wasn't there like a ventriloquism McCarthy or something? Charlie McCarthy? Yeah, maybe it's Charlie McCarthy. 
Okay. Or Army McCarthy? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Kevin McCarthy. But again, you know. No, no, could no, be no. Kevin McCarthy. Could be a congressman. Could be. It could be a senator. Could be a but, senator. But we think it's Kevin McCarthy. Could be an ex-senator stopping by to do some lobbying. No, no, no. He, he, he was going. They were all over him. And then, he, you know, he gives, you'll hear what he say, you know. Okay. They, some reporter, some reporter lady asked him some questions. He comments about the thing and then. This is, you know, just, this is the kind of serious journalism that is lacking. And we're hey, I mean, we're on the front lines. Huh? I call him out. We're on the front lines here at the David Feldman Show. Okay, here's Citizen Bacon talking to some guy. <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the timing of all this is not coincidence. And... Uh, I, I still don't see an impeachable uh, offense committed. And uh, the people of Iowa will be voting for President of the United States a week from today. The people should be deciding this issue, not Congress. Sir, yes, you should Bolton vote to decide the issue. Is John Bolton credible, sir? You're ducking your responsibility. There was a reporter who said you're ducking your responsibility. Well, that was me. Yeah, but I thought it's like Jeopardy. It has to be in a question form. You can't. Give the answer. Doesn't Alex Trebek make? Isn't he the parliamentarian where you have to f- form? Hey, your, you know, it's, it's, I did what I could, man. You know, you're ducking again. your responsibility. Well, yeah, now here's the, and then the police escorted you out, right? Yes, pretty much. Because you said you're ducking your responsibility. Well, because then after that, it wasn't necessarily just that. It was the lady reporter called me and she goes, who's that? Who's that? Who's that guy? And then, you know. Okay, so here's what I learned. Here's what I learned. Okay. Because the project I was working on, I was detained by the police. And they explained to me that you're not allowed to protest. You can ask questions, but you cannot Uh, protest. The minute you start protesting, then you're disruptive. Hmm. So right. ducking the responsibility, it, it's better to ask. So, you know, we're, are we're, you? Huh? Are you? Are you ducking your responsibility? There you go. Yeah, I we're, got you. That's what you do. Ask right. ask tougher questions, but make sure they're in, you know, play Jeopardy. They have yeah, to be I in really the form of a question. I, I, I didn't have the badge, so it, even if I would have said something, you know, it still wouldn't have, I don't think it would have mattered there. But I, okay. I, I, I take point taken, but, you know, because right. I was behind the double doors and, you know, whatever. Maybe you and I will go down. I think it would be funny if you and I get pre- press credentials, and I think I can get them, like the good ones. Oh, that would be through great. The, through yeah, the yeah, radio yeah. station, you know, to, so we could stand. Yes, exactly. We can we can stand in the scrum with all the other reporters, and you right. and you stand at one end, and I'll stand at the other, and I will fight with you, like Mitt Romney's <laughs> giving a press conference, and you ask a question, and I go, "What kind of question is that? You're going to talk to a United States senator like that? How dare you?" And as long as we have press credentials, you know, little uh, political theater might be funny. All right. Uh, That's funny. What's that cough? It's me laughing. But you were coughing. 
Well, I, I, I got a, I got to go over to China really fast. I can't remember the name of the town. Wuhan. I don't know. Something. Wuhan. Yeah, I, someone sent me there for an emergency or something. I don't know. I don't feel as good now. Wuhan sounds like what a Midwestern school teacher calls a vagina when she's teaching sex education. She can't bring herself to say vagina, right? And so, kids, he puts his penis in the <clears throat> Wuhan. Doesn't it? The yeah. Wuhan. I bet you could do that with a lot of different Chinese uh, town names that were sitting here. Yeah. Okay. Code Pink, Medea Benjamin, the great American. Well she stood in front of Henry Kissinger. You have to Google this. It's on YouTube. Henry Kissinger is being kept alive because God wants him to suffer. He's so morbidly obese. Everything hurts on this man. And he was testifying about a year and a half ago. I don't know on what. And he's sitting there. And the great Medea Benjamin from Code Pink got right in his face and screamed at the top of her lungs, war criminal, war criminal. I mean, at, at, right in his face. And the Capitol Police, who are fantastic, it's, yep. a, it's kabuki, you know, so they took their time walking over, and he had to make conversation with her. Yes, 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 I am a war criminal, yes, yes. War criminal! Yes, 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 I am. I'm it's hysterical to watch. Okay, so wow. who did you talk with from Code Pink? So this is Ariel 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 Gold. She's the co-director right now. Um, Isn't she the? So she, uh, didn't Jeremy Piven play her on Entourage? I don't know that reference at all, but um, uh, I know she was like a. She used to go to, to Palestine. She used to go over to Israel and Palestine and do stuff there. But now she she got kicked out or something. In 2018, maybe, so she can no longer go there. Ariel know. Gold. Yes. Okay, and what did she do uh, that piqued your interest? So this was like, um, well, uh, so uh, that's because we're not playing the thing, the swarm, the capital thing. That whole group was they have they they have a small protest. They, they were having a much bigger protest. Other groups came to them, including. Uh, Reverend Dr. Barber's uh, group, and then so did other groups. So there's like a whole list of like 10 or so groups. So during the early, the morning uh, Reverend Barber thing, he had like, and I have little clips of all these people, but uh, all these labor leaders and all these uh, religious leaders and all these people who gave a little talk, and then other people just in the audience. And you know, I noticed uh, a couple could big people, and I was just like, oh, I'll just go talk to them, you know? Right. So, Hey, uh, somebody just handed me something. You know how everybody hates Jeremy Piven? I don't know. I don't really know who that is. Yeah, Harvard. Went to Harvard. Okay, so let's play uh, Ariel Gold. Okay? Yeah, this is David Bacon with the David Feldman Show, and again, I'm at St. Mark's. It's uh, January 29th, and there's a, there was a couple Code Pink, uh, I guess, members. Would that be the right? Or Code Pink organizers. Organizers, yes. And Code Pink, we are a women-led 
grassroots organization that opposes U.S. militarism and seeks to change foreign policy from death and destruction to human needs like mm. health care and education and saving the planet. And right, right, right. Right now we're working a lot on preventing a, a war with Iran. And right. know, one of the things that's really exciting right here at the Poor People's Campaign is that uh, Poor People's Campaign in Cairo are working um, on that from a faith-based perspective, right, a right, sign-on right. letter opposing a U.S. war with Iran, and that's uh, right up our alley. Right. So you're like sort of coming together on the on the specific topic that you guys are both interested. Oh, well, in. we're partners of the Poor People's Campaign from oh. the very start as well. You know, Martin Luther King and the right. Three Evils. Well, one of those is militarism, and boy, do we see that every day, and yes. we see that around the world, and the U.S. is leading in that, yes, and they are. Uh, we are suffering at home because of that. It just takes half a minute to think about... Right. Um, if we spend all our money over there, we can't spend it with Well, the yeah, people. we just authorized $738 billion to the Pentagon, so right. we should all take a moment right. and think how much affordable housing that was provide, right. how much health care, green energy, schools, right. rise people up out of poverty, and all kinds of things. Exactly. Well, I think it's going to start. Thank you so much. Thank Did so you much. say your name? Ariel Gold. I'm the national co-director for Code Pink. Awesome. So nice to meet you. So nice to meet you. If you have money, you should give some to Code Pink. They're uh, a great American organization. Medea Benjamin has disrupted Condoleezza Rice's press conferences and George W. Bush's press. I mean, she is a a national treasure. And she even went to Lahore, Pakistan to protest and was detained by their security uh, for a day or two. So this is a brave woman who speaks out for peace, universal human rights, health care, education, the environment. Code Pink, uh, a little different from The Swarm. The Swarm. No. Right? Well, yeah, well, The Swarm is like a sort of not... Uh, I'm going to say it's almost more like an Occupy Wall Street kind of thing, where it's not like uh, there's no, like, leadership kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but they're just, a, you know, they just, they just go and, uh, and, and, and you know, do their thing. And they they got a big they, – they got a whole bunch of groups together for this, and, and the whole thing was amazing, and you know, with uh, Reverend Barber and – you know, he's a great he's a great speaker and uh, and uh, and leader and stuff. So we have a bunch of tape from that stuff. So fantastic, Citizen Bacon. Do you want to give out your email? Nah. Okay, I accept your apology for your behavior on. Uh, oh, thank you. Friday show, you were out of line, and uh, I know you didn't mean it, but a lot of my listeners felt that you disrespected me after all I've done for you. By letting you work for me. well, I was I was able to turn in this Ford Demerit to get a gold star, so I was pretty happy about that. You were what? I was able to turn in those Ford Demerits and get a gold star, so I was really happy about that. There was a deal down at the store. Okay, fantastic, Citizen Bacon, stay on the line. Go, Bernie. Everybody's heard of comic Aaron Berg. Berg, Berg, Berg. Berg is the word. Well, Berg, Berg, Berg. Aaron Berg is the word. on the
this section, would you? Oi, mow, mow. Oi, mow, mow, mow. 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 Let us now go somewhere in Manhattan to Aaron Berg. I have a cough lozenge in my mouth because six weeks after the cold started, I break out into coughs when people make me laugh hysterically. So let's see what what happens with Aaron Berg. Hello, Aaron. Hello, I'm in the Diamond District in New York City, and I'm playing the role of Adam Sandler in my new movie, Uncut Foreskins. That's right. It's about foreskins and betting on the Celtics. I love having my foreskin uncut. I'm a bad boy. Oh, yes, I am. I'm hiding gelt in my shaft, hiding gelt in my shaft. Super Bowl. Did you see it? Super Bowl Sunday, David? What'd you do? I was watching a crotch off between Jennifer Lopez and was it, uh, what was her name? Shakira. Shakira. Yeah. Yeah. Who, yeah, who do you I think had the nicer crotch? Shakira. Hmm. I liked her song called Clits Don't Lie. <laughs> Did you hear that one? I'm on tonight, my clit don't lie, and I'm starting to feel the bag. Uh, now, the Super Bowl was under protest because people without clits were very offended by the song Clits Don't Lie. Uh-huh. Men were protesting outside the stadium. They also said, why would this woman be singing when we have such diversity amongst the men that play this game and hit females? <laughs> uh, so that was a very relevant topic to be brought up. People uh-huh. were also offended by the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know if you know this or not. Uh, it's a racist name because uh, the chief of police is a mascot, and he's offended. I didn't read the whole story, but you can't say Chiefs anymore. It's very offensive. Do you know who it's offensive to? The indigenous people of our land. Yes. The dinosaurs. Yes. It offends the dinosaurs. And what about the 49ers being offensive to Jews? Yeah, because uh, 49 Jews died in the Holocaust. Well, if you're going to overstate it, go ahead. But uh, no, it was the gold rush. The 49ers were all about finding gold in them. I find that anti-Semitic, don't you? Yeah, because Jews love gold. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I have... gold under my mattress and then my wife always goes why is the bed so lumpy and i go you'll find out when i die she's not allowed to touch a scent uh-huh. marry a scent yeah and i think it was football awesome. fo- football's anti-semitic they have a linebacker a halfback a quarterback all this stuff with the back they're mocking jews yeah. who have bad i mean jews have bad backs right and also, we're not allowed to eat uh, back bacon, which comes from a pig that is uh, the fat of a pig. It's an anti-Semitic sport. The I think we skin. need to just support yeah, pig skin. Jewish sports like lacrosse <laughs> and water polo are the ones that should be celebrated. Well, OJ, uh, not uh, OJ. Uh, well, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to do an OJ. Yeah. Go. Tell me the OJ joke. So what did you think about uh, Jay-Z and Beyonce not standing for the national anthem? 
I did not watch that. I watched the whites only version of the Super Bowl oh, where yeah. they superimposed uh, <laughs> a Hitler speech during the halftime. Yeah, it was, oh, there was one, seven, 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 seven. and then they would cheer throughout it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they kept yelling, yeah, I was in South Florida recently. You would love it. Have you been there? You gotta go. Of course. It is. Uh, you, you ever played shuffleboard with old women of and course. then try and bang them after? Of you ever bet on the game and go, whoever doesn't get it into the top part of the triangle is going to get it in the bottom part of the triangle later. Many of them are very sad. Their husbands have left, and they stay in this 55-plus housing. It is there for the taking. Yeah. You know, it's like assisted living, but Studio 54. Yeah. That's what I call South Florida. These women are hot, David. And wet. Very hot. Yeah. When they're in the pool or if they've gone to Walgreens (laughs) to get their down there lotion. I think it's called down there lotion. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. horrific. Uh, I heard you're sick. Yes, yes. You are the first Jew on record to get the coronavirus, <laughs> as it's pronounced. Uh, so what happened was... By the way, you can you, on we, we have Christmas, a tape. Hang on for one second. Yeah. Hold that thought. You did provide tape of me at a Chinese restaurant last night uh-huh. ordering. Yes. Can we just play that and then put a pin in that thought? This is, I didn't know you were, I, I, I somehow I was wired, but this is me at Empire yeah. Szechuan politely ordering a dish. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and it kind of goes awry if you listen to the whole thing. Ding dong! <laughs> <laughs> Hey, hello, uh, uh, Feldman, uh, reservation for two. However, my, uh, Tinder date had to cancel because, uh, she then saw my real photo and was very upset and said that I was catfishing her. But I said I would never catfish you. you that's a bottom feeding animal and as such it's dirty and I would never eat that. Why would you say that I would catfish you? To which she responded, go back to J date. And then I reported her and flagged her for anti-Semitic uh, sayings. Uh, and then I went on J-Date, and she was on J-Date two minutes later after she told me to go back on J-Date. And I uh, tried to pick her up, but she uh, then saw my real photo and said, I look like Pinocchio. Uh, and I said, why would you say that? Because I have a large schnoz. And she said any time that if she were to go out with me, if I were to turn my head sideways, it would knock glasses off of a waiter's tray. That is what she said about my nose. So I will be dining alone. How are you uh, this evening, Mr. Jong Un and Jong Un Two and his lovely wife. A uh, table for one, if I may. Um, excuse me, before I order, if you could bring me over some uh, of that uh, stuff I would spray in my hands to wash my hands because I had to open the door to come inside of here. And also, uh, if you could bring me some sort of straw for my wonton soup, which I will order because I don't want to take my surgical mask off. No offense to you, but I have seen several videos of either your relatives or your friends eating small vermin. And I also saw one where uh, one of you actually fornicated with poultry. There was a real piece of poultry, and I did watch it, and it was taken off the Internet, but that does not mean it is not saved to my hard drive and also in my spank bank because 
because what's for <laughs> dinner? Chicken, bok bok. That's what he was saying. It's a uh, chicken, the new white meat. All right, let me take a look at the menu here. <laughs> number four, that's lucky. That is high for life. I will have the number four, or as you call it, Ida Mimi. Is that Ida Mimi? It's a, it's a green bean. Could I have those? Could you make them instead of green? Could I get them in beige? Could you change? No. Other the green bean just comes green. Oh, alright, take that. Now it comes warm with salt on it. Now I have to watch my salt. So could you put the salt on the side? And also could I boil them on my own instead of you bringing them out boiled because I don't like them too hot. Do you have, this is going to be an odd question, do you have uh, like a pastrami sandwich on the menu? No. All right. Uh, now, uh, I will have the, uh, I don't know how you pronounce this, the General Tiso's. I will have the General Tiso's oh. chicken, and if you bring that over to me, and instead of the um, those sticks you use, you know, those little wooden pencils that you would, instead of those, I would like uh, cutlery. If you could bring me cutlery, <laughs> that would be fantastic. Is it all right if I watch softcore porn, uh, porno on my small telephone? Because it's uh, the fetish for this is not sex, but it's just intimacy and relationship porn. So most of it is just the people arguing and him going, you never pay the bills. I leave all the bills there. Those are your medical bills. Pay your medical bills. I already pay for the insurance. I already pay for the car. I already pay for the easy pass. Why do you not pay for your medical bills? You got blood work done, and now you're sucking my blood dry. That's So basically, it's that's it. Did you understand? Do you know sometimes I get so angry at my ex-wives, I want to lick one of you on the face on Canal Street. Just to roll the dice. Just to roll the dice. This soup is good. It's like matzo ball, but you, it's a dumpling. And what is in this dumpling? This meat tastes very... It, it, what? It's what? That, no, what? It's... Oh. Let me, I, I'm praying right now to Hashem that you said that's fork in my dumpling. Fork, like the cutlery that I ordered. Because if I, oh, I hate pork. Oh, God, 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 God. Why does it taste so good, but it's so bad? More napkins. I need to wipe my tongue like a child that had habanero peppers for the first time. Oh. Give me a Oh God, I ate the pig that dare not speak its name, the pig. Oh God, oh God, oh God. I want to throw up, but it tastes good. Let me have another bite of that. Maybe it'll wash it away. That's, I had more pork. Okay. I'm going to have the pork fried rice. Is there pork in that? There is. Oh, well, bring it on. You know what they say in Jew heaven. If you ate pork once, you might as well eat it 97 times because no one's counting in pig land. Oh, boy, that's good. Delicious. Now, uh, next question. That lady over there, will she be the one to give me the massage and then paint my nails afterwards? Oh, that's racist. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought being racist was bringing a Jew pork. I should have killed your ass in Nam. I'm not paying this bill, and I want my Groupon refunded. I'm out of here. Give me, oh, God, stop coughing all over my food. What are you doing? What are you doing? I'm, ah, boy. All right, thank you. Here's uh, 8% for you. It would have been 15, but you know, my my last name must have messed it up, you anti-Semites. I'll see you later. Bye. Ding, ding. Biddle-doo-doo. 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 Uh, the present. The present.
the president. That is, you know, I didn't think, you know, I left last night from that dinner thinking I'd, I'd been annoying, but listening to the tape, it wasn't, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. No, it seems like maybe they just didn't know what you liked and uh-huh. how to treat you. You know, I think you would be great to oh go on God. a yacht vacation on Absolutely. like a show like Below Deck on Bravo, where you just go and complain about everything. Yes. Why is the sun so bright out here <laughs> on the ocean? Could you turn the sun down? Is there water everywhere? Could you get me to a part of the ocean with less water? This is horrific. Oh, oh my God. God. Oh, oh this my Dom God. Perignon is too bubbly. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, I'm going to sick up on my own sack. Oh, God. Oh, my God, you're a genius. Yeah, so <clears throat> we were talking about... Uh, did you just blow your nose? No. Oh, okay. Did you? No. I, I. If I could blow my nose, do you think I'd leave the house? Yeah. Because, <laughs> you see. What, did you think the... You have a daughter, don't you? Would you let your daughter watch that halftime show? With the stripper sure. poles and the sexual exploitation, the satanic moves. It looked like Shakira was holding a snake. It was a rope. But to me, it was satanic it's yeah just, it's just not appropriate for girls we went that. to we went to a party and when the halftime show came on we all danced me and her and uh my drunk wife boozy mcgillicuddy oh yes and uh we yeah we danced and had a great time but also her mother said look at this don't ever do this and she pointed at the screen uh, Jayla was very hot. Yes. Jayla was beautiful. And I like the diversity of the game. Were, That's amazing for yeah. a 70 year old to move that way. She's 70. I heard her hip hop during the third song. Yeah. Well, she, that's the type of and, music and the, called hip hop. Yeah. Hip hop. And then she, she yelled out, Ayo mio. And then, uh, <laughs> almost collapsed to the ground. And Shakira is gorgeous. How hot is Shakira? Would you? If I. Would you? Do you what, what would what would can you imagine her putting up with my idiosyncrasies? What if she had a Bernie sticker on her sweater? <laughs> would you then? I thought they were great. Not as good as Sarah McLaughlin's halftime performance two years ago. Uh, uh, these guys were great. I picture Shakira coming over to your house as a Bernie supporter and being like, one percent of the penis is inside of ninety nine percent of the vagina. <laughs> After this, I'm gonna need health care. I think you just gave me a disease, David. Who are now I'm Al Pacino? She just starts doing bad impressions at you. She was very hot. I was in Ottawa, Canada, which you should have been with me, by the way. Next time, you should come. And there were so many beautiful women that were flirting with me, and I did not take up on those advances, as I have a wife. And now I am full of regret. And your wife says that you're allowed, like a hall pass? I'm allowed to get my ass eaten and get a reach around on the road. Which is why I keep inviting you to come on tour with me. But she literally said that to you because you've said this before. 
Yeah, she literally said that. But also, it's like when a hot 21-year-old girl is flirting with me, that's not, you, you don't throw that menu at them. Like, hey, mm-hmm. let's go back to my room. Look, I have a wife. I'm not allowed to do everything. But lucky you, you can eat my shit locker <laughs> and then pull on my plumbing. You're going to eat my pudding cup and yank uh-huh. on my metric ruler? You can't say that. <laughs> These women don't like that. Then they're going to Instagram live it, and then I got my asshole out there in cyberspace. It's a- uh-huh, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But in Ottawa, the, the, the women, that's the, the nation's capital, right? Yeah, yeah. And the the women are beautiful, and there's always a a sex. There's something sexy about capitals. I've noticed this. Wherever there are politicians, their sex seems to be in the air. Yeah, why is that? Because sex sells? No. You think that has something to do with it? Uh, Well, I just think there's ambition, there's greed. Wherever there's a capital, I've noticed all the state's capitals, people, the women dress to play, and, and the men are there to play. There's a lot of alcohol I I don't know what it is. Yeah, that's true. That is definitely true of that. And people smoke marijuana in the streets now in Canada. It's legal. Why don't you move back there? What are you doing here? What is this? this Because because if I move back there, then uh, I'll be a novelty for two years or three years. And then that's it. I can't... uh, I can't subsist. They've changed politically. You know, they hate their prime minister now. Remember a couple of years ago, they loved Trudeau and he couldn't do anything wrong. Well, now he and it's not even the black. It's not even that he did blackface or brownface. And I think he may do yellowface soon. Uh-huh. It's not that. It's just that people do not like his policies and people are sick of the, the, they're getting the wave that the United States went through. They're sick of being politically correct. They're sick of being told what to think and what to say. And comedy like mine was very cathartic for them. They had mm-hmm. a great time. I got a standing ovation on Thursday. I, I haven't had a standing ovation. And I can count them on one hand. Wow. It's crazy. They, they just love the freedom of right. being able to talk recklessly. Yeah. Right. Right. <clears throat> So uh, he's done brown face, black face now with uh, goatee. What kind of face would he be doing? He's going to do Mr. Miyagi face. Mm -hmm. I heard there's a video of him uh, just coming out, banging a big bell and going, oh, so lucky. And then just uh, (laughs) reading the Canadian Constitution. I thought the the hair was uh, set on my face. Yeah. He may. I don't know. See what I do? I I make bad jokes. Yeah. How is your marriage? Love. How is your marriage? I always like to check in and find out if you're still married. Still married. Still Uh, love. We almost almost got divorced last week coming back on a flight from Fort Lauderdale. And then uh, we just can't fly well together. So from now on, I'll go first. I'll put her in the back of the coach. (laughs) And then... uh, and I'll sit with my daughter. She can sit back there. And it was bad. And then we had to have a talk about everything. And I went to therapy last week. And uh, we aired it out. And uh, hopefully it's okay. What I don't think she likes out? me much anymore. What did you air out? Uh, let's see. We talked about a whole bunch of concerns. You know, money's an ongoing thing. Because uh-huh. uh, she's not good with money. I don't understand why. It's uh, It's, you know, I don't know what to say. Money's part of life. And, you know. 
you got to deal with it. When but, you say uh, we are, with we try. money, is she good at is she good at making it? No. Is she good at spending um, it? Is she good at spending it? She does. She doesn't spend a lot of money. She's uh-huh. not extravagant, but she's just you know not on top of stuff. But we all. Almost had sex the night before I went away, and then my throat started getting scratchy when I was uh, blowing a guy at a rest stop. <laughs> so then I got home, and my wife and I could have sex, and uh, I don't know. He wasn't clean. But we start kissing, and my throat gets scratchy, and I go, did you eat sesame seeds? And she goes, oh, I had tahini two hours ago. Mm. I'm allergic to sesame seeds. So we were about to make sweet love, and then I had an allergic reaction. And we had to stop. How Jewish is that? Wow. Are you ready to fuck? Oh, boy, my throat's closing. Oh, I've got hives everywhere. Is it okay? Should I slide it in? I don't know if it's right. Oh, I'm bumpy. Do you, I need a Claritin, if not half a Benadryl. But a half a Benadryl will make me too tired, and then I can't go and sell my schmatas down in the village. I was traveling with uh, three Jewish comedy writers last week. What is it about their stomachs? Do you have a, a Jewish stomach? I've heard there's such thing as a Jewish stomach. No, I have a good stomach, but I just can't eat sesame seeds or some nuts. I have uh allergic reaction. But other than that, I have a goyim stomach. I can eat Jews. I can eat other stuff like that. It doesn't upset me Do at your all. your parents talk about their stomach? Sure. Their stomachs are issues. Yeah. They eat healthy, and then they sneak off and eat ice cream. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, Aaron Berg is the star of In Hot Water, and I have not had you on the show because I've had this cough. I got it around Christmas time, and I can't laugh. I can't laugh. So I can't have you on the show. It's not good. All right. But now it's, it's coming, you know, I'm feeling better, so I can laugh again. So you did get the cold. I have a cough. I I don't know what happened. I met this Asian guy, and I went down on his butt. Yeah. And he told me he was clean. But mm-hmm. then right after we finished, I saw him eating bat soup. And yeah. I knew right then something was up. Not kosher, by the way. No. The bat is the uh, the pig of the sky, they call it. Well, now you would, you're saying that bats are bloodsuckers, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it would be wrong for our people to eat a bloodsucker. Yeah. Because I can't do these jokes. I cannot. You wanted to say because we are bloodsuckers. I get it. I see where you're going. I I can do that joke. The same reason we can't eat pigs because. They. Why? I'm not going to do the cannibalism joke. Listen to me. There is a lot of anti-Semitism in this world. Aaron, I see it firsthand all the time. And when I go to those rallies and I'm yelling about (laughs) how the Jews will not replace us, I see it a lot. And it's disturbing to come out of my mouth. I I get it. Uh, I see what you're saying. No, there are a lot of jokes that I used to make. Mm -hmm. There was, I was in a comfort zone and I would make these jokes and it's okay to make them in private, but I don't know. I have a problem making what I consider the most fun jokes imaginable, especially in front of my mother, because it pisses her off. Yeah, as it should. Do you do that? Do you 
My mother gets so upset with me. I yeah. needle her incessantly. About she hates it. You make answers. She doesn't like comedy. Yeah. She does not like comedy coming out of me. But if you make anti-Semitic jokes in front of your mother, she gets upset, right? Um, yeah, a little bit. Uh -huh. Not too much. Uh, I go, knock, knock. Who's there? She goes, Jew. I go, Jew who? And I go, stop crying, Mom. And then I run <laughs> out of the house. How old is your baby before you go? How old is she? Two years and four months. Are we going to have another one? I don't know. It depends on how the divorce goes and how quickly uh, I get onto another one. My wife can't have another baby. She's on too many medications. Uh, you can adopt. Yeah. You can adopt. You're not supposed to do that. Most of them are meth babies. That's uh, what I read. Well, why don't you have a surrogate come in and have like, uh, three of uh, you, a threesome, but you impregnate uh, the surrogate? But what are you, my mind? Have you been reading my diary? That's exactly what I'm thinking. Honey, you can't have a baby now, so we'll bring in this waitress from the stand. Yeah. yeah. The, yeah we'll have yeah. a threesome. You'll be yeah. part of the conception. Would she go for that? If I had to give my wife an indigenous name, it would be the one who runs with semen between her legs to the bathroom. <laughs> And that used to be the name of the Chiefs before they were forced to change. That's correct. Aaron Burke, what is the name of your latest comedy CD? Oh, it's coming out very soon. It's called Shameless in This Age, American Etiquette, live from the New York Comedy Festival at The Stand. It'll be out in about a month and a half. And I don't have it in front of me. Is it 25 sets? 25 sets on Amazon. Check it out. One of the best comedy documentaries going. You did 25 sets in one night. Correct. And it's captured on tape in a documentary called 25 Sets. What is the name of your podcast? In Hot Water, Monday to Thursday on Compound Media, and then Gum Fridays, patreon.com slash gum Fridays every Friday. Uh, we go live. It's awesome. Okay. And where are you performing next? I'll be at the stand tonight, tomorrow, this weekend. Check me out at the stand all week. Fantastic. Can you stay on the line for one quick second, sir? Yes. Everybody's heard of comic Aaron Berg. Berg, Berg, Berg. Berg is the word. Well, Berg, Berg, Berg. Aaron Berg is the word. From New York, from beautiful Bayville on the glorious gold coast of Long Island's North Shore, let's now welcome our old friend, Jackie the Joke Man Martling, 8 p.m. this Saturday, February 8th. He'll be at the White Plains Comedy Club in White Plains, New York. Then, 9.30 p.m., Friday and Saturday, February 14th through the 15th, he'll be at Uncle Vinny's Comedy Club in Point 
Pleasant Beach, New Jersey. You'll love Jackie's autobiography, The Joke Man. Bow to Stern. Get it on Amazon. For endless jokes, say Alexa, play Jackie Martling. Follow Jackie on Twitter at Jackie Martling. Jokes every day at 4.20 p.m. International Marijuana Time. For personalized videos, go to cameo.com forward slash Jackie Martling. For more show information, go to jokeland.com. Hello, Jackie. So a guy marries a girl. They go on the honeymoon, and after they get settled in the suite, he goes down the lobby to get a pack of cigarettes. When he gets back, his bride's on the bed naked. A bellhop is fucking her. There's another <laughs> bellhop under her, getting her in the ass. She's sucking off the desk clerk who's squatting over her face with his cock in her mouth. A cab driver and the concierge are standing on either side of the bed, and she's jacking both of them off. <laughs> the guy says, Jesus Christ, Sylvia, what in fuck's going on? She says, come on, Eddie. You always knew I was a flirt. <laughs> <laughs> so, why do shoe salesmen love lady midgets? No, oh, why? <laughs> because their knees smell like pussy. <laughs> Uh, okay. Oh, a horse goes into a bar. Yes. The bartender says, why the long face? <laughs> the horse says, my wife wants to try and work it out. <laughs> <laughs> so the bank robbers burst into the bank and order all the customers, all the tellers, and everybody to take off all their clothes and lie face down on the floor. Well, the teller, Christine's a young girl. She's really nervous. She takes off her dress and all her clothes, and she sprawls out on her back with her legs spread. <laughs> the girl looks to her and says, For Christ's sakes, turn over, Christine. This is a stick-up, not an office party. <laughs> <laughs> What do, what do Pakistani women use for feminine hygiene? Oh, come on, Jackie. Come on. What was the question? What do Pakistani women use for feminine hygiene? I, I stepped on you. I, I didn't hear you. What? What do Pakistani women <laughs> use for feminine hygiene? I don't know, but I'm sure it's going to be a very sweet, sweet answer. What? Hindu shit. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Hindu <laughs> Very nice. That's a sweet show. That's good. Multicultural. So Donnie Donnie walks in a luncheonette wearing two six guns. Who? Who? Start from the beginning. Two... I st start from the beginning. Dirty Johnny? What? Dirty Johnny walks into a luncheonette wearing his two six guns. Uh -huh. He pulls out his two guns. Twirls him around and says to the girl behind the counter, I want a Sunday. <laughs> she says, all right, you want whipped cream? He twirls the guns around and says, yeah. 
She says, you want crushed nuts? He says, you want your fucking tits blown off? <laughs> <laughs> so Stukowski's on the electric chair, and the warden's just about to pull a switch. When Stukowski gets the hiccups. <laughs> The warden says, Stokowski, do you have any last requests? And Stokowski says, yeah, could you, could you please do something to scare me? (laughs) 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 So guy's wife keeps nagging him to take her hunting, and he keeps telling her no, and she says, come on, take me hunting. Finally, he agrees Saturday's going to take her hunting. Saturday, it's raining. She says, I ain't going hunting in the rain. He says, oh, you're going hunting in the rain. You're either going hunting in the rain or I'm going to fuck you in the ass or you're going to suck my cock. Oh, come on. Now, make up your mind. I got to go get the dogs ready. He comes back. She says, I ain't going hunting in the rain. And you sure as hell not fucking me in my ass. So I'll blow you. She starts blowing him and she says, oh, your dick tastes like shit. He says, yeah. The dogs didn't want to go hunting either. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little too rough. A little too rough, but funny. Stop it. Go ahead. <clears throat> a woman's at her new gynecologist, and she's up in the stirrups. <laughs> he takes a look, and he says, Jesus, what a huge vagina. Jesus, what a huge vagina. She says, I heard you the first time. He says, I only said it once. (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right. A girl goes up to a guy in the bar, and she says, I'll do anything you want for 300 bucks. He says, paint my house. (laughs) (laughs) Great. All right, all right. So a guy's walking in the woods with his date. They stop and they start making out. And she says, hold on. I have to take a pee. Well, she goes behind the bush and he's waiting for her. And he hears her zipper go down. And then he hears the sound of her jeans being rolled down. Oh, man, he's on fire. So he goes and walks around behind her and reaches between her legs and up her thigh. And all of a sudden he realizes he's gripping a tube between her legs. (laughs) He says, my God, Mary, have you got a cock? She says, no, I'm I'm taking a shit. (laughs) (laughs) What a sweet joke. What a sweet joke. How many feminists does it take to change a light bulb? Uh, How many? That's not funny. So, two jazz musicians are sitting on a porch, and it's fall, and the leaves are turning, and then it's winter, and there's snowstorms and chilly wind, and then it's spring, and the flowers are blooming, and then it's summer, and it's really hot, and then it's fall again. The first jazz musician turns to the second jazz musician and says, and the second jazz musician says, I'm hip. (laughs) (laughs) 
Two girls are on an elevator, and the first one says, Oh, that gob on the wall there looks like jizz. Ick. <laughs> the second girl swipes it with her finger, tastes it, and says, Jesus Christ, and he's not even from this building. <laughs> I'll talk to you next What's week. This? I got to go. I got a job in September. All right, hang on. Jackie the Joke Man will be... At the White Plains Comedy Club in White Plains, New York, this Saturday, February 8th at 8 p.m. And if you live in Point Pleasant Beach, New Jersey, go see him Friday and Saturday, February 14th and 15th at Uncle Vinny's Comedy Club. You'll love Jackie's autobiography, The Joke Man, Bowder Stern. Get it on Amazon. For endless jokes, say Alexa, play Jackie Martling. Follow Jackie on Twitter at Jackie Martling. Jokes every day at 4.20 p.m. International Marijuana Time. You want personalized videos from Jackie? Go to cameo.com forward slash Jackie Martling. And for more show information, go to jackjokeland.com. Thank you, Jackie. By the way, February 14th, Valentine's Day, is my 72nd birthday. So uh, I don't want you to go too overboard with my present, but you better get me something. Okay. Love you, Jackie. Stand in line for one second. All right. You're listening to The David Feldman Show, you happy, self-actualized hump. 